Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank goodness it is Friday, May 25th, 4th, 4th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. Mike Novak, host of the Mike Novak Show, returns and also making his return, our good friend, Mr. Bike, Dave Gloetz. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Ben Jarofsky. Oops. Come on, wait for the uh, Wait, man, wait. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Evil Eddie Friday. And here's why. I'm scared. <laughs> yes, indeed, folks. Today's papers are filled with scary tales of pending horror stories about to play at a theater near you. And no, I'm not talking about Ma, that scary soon-to-be-released flick in which Octavia Spencer paces freaking lunatic who kidnaps clueless teenagers, locks them in her house, and does mean, nasty things like stitch their lips together i can't wait to see that movie day all right sounds morbid (laughs) yeah i can't wait octavia spencer playing just not like a nice person for once they've been previewing it on all the uh, nba playoff games i'm dying to see it anyway i'm not talking about that one no 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 i'm talking about something even more frightening i'm talking about evil eddie burke the ottoman of the 14th ward Evil Eddie Burke. <laughs> Evil Eddie Burke. Ottoman of the 14th Ward, former powerhouse in the Chicago City Council, used to run the finance committee, oversee every single contract, every single TIF deal. With Mayor Rahm was his little his little creature that he controlled. Do this, do that. And Mayor Rahm, yes, sir, looking the other way while Evil Eddie ran this property tax appeal empire, doing businesses with people who were doing business with the city of Chicago. Clearly a conflict of interest, but Mayor Rahm is like, I see nothing. I don't know what's going on in the basement. What evil is going on in the basement? He'd be like the guy in the Silence of the Lambs who had the house where they kept the lady in the basement. Remember that movie, D? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what he was like anyway. <laughs> I think of Evil Eddie Burke is like the demented clown in It. You ever see the movie It? Uh, the first one, not the, this new one. You ever see the movie It, Leah? Yeah, yeah the it. it. Yeah, it's a good movie with the demented clown is in the uh, the sewers and little kids, you know, sneak in. And I mean, they come up and they look and I'm like, don't go near the sewers. Well, that's Evil Eddie Burke. He's like the sewers of the city hall. In this case, the person who's in most in danger, according to today's papers, is a rookie mayor by the name of Lori Lightfoot. Don't go into the basement, Lori. Stay away from the basement. <laughs> Stay <Today>. away! 
<laughs> Today's story in the bright one by our very own Franz Spielman uh, talks about this. And uh, by the way, see that. It's all about mayor tries out city council rostrum for the first time. So it starts out like a nice story about how Mayor Lightfoot, her first meeting will be Wednesday. All right. So she went to the city council yesterday and tried out, you know, the podium, the rostrum, and just to make sure she was comfortable. With the, that's the podium that oversees the city council. All the aldermen eventually will be next Wednesday will be sitting out in front of her and she'll have the little gavel and she'll get to run the meeting. And uh, the story says the new mayor got a chance to try out the rostrum in the city council chambers on Thursday. When she addressed a group of high school students at the Next Gen City Council. So, how did it feel? Quote, we have to fix the acoustics in there, which I think are terrible, Lightfoot said after a hearty laugh. It'll be a different experience, obviously, with 50 aldermen there and things are on the record and live, but we'll be prepared. And then. <laughs> and then. And then Fran Spielman gets around to the scary part. Lightfoot was asked whether she had been practicing by boning up on Robert's rules of order. She said, I believe in being prepared, yes. Alderman Edward M. Burke, the deposed finance committee chairman and Lightfoot's longtime political nemesis, is an expert on city council rules. Is the rookie mayor afraid somebody who knows the rules better than she does, like Burke, for example, might pull a fast oh, one? Oh, God. <laughs> Lightfoot says, no, I just want to make sure that I'm educated and informed. This is going to be my first opportunity to lead a city council meeting. I want to make sure I'm ready. Evil Eddie Burke using his mastery of city council procedure. you are freaking me out today. (laughs) Wait, there's more. (laughs) Yeah, I was just so frightened about evil Eddie Burke using his mastery of the Robert's Rules of Order till I get Lori Lightfoot all confused and tie her up in the basement like Octavia Spencer and Ma. And the Tribune. Okay? The Tribune. There you go. The Tribune. See that, listeners? I subscribe to the Tribune. All right? Yeah, I pay for these guys' salary. Work harder, Tribune people. Anyway. John Maga Hat Cass. Oh, God. <laughs> Not John Maga Hat Cass. John Cass, right-wing columnist for the Tribune, loves Trump, okay? Oh, Lord. <laughs> what is the show today? No, but he has a pretty good... Gotta give Cass credit when he writes a good one. This one was pretty good about uh, <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, uh, you know, the again, the theme of Lori Lightfoot, the rookie, dealing with evil Eddie Burke. All right, here's what Cass writes. He's talking about how Lori Lightfoot needs to hire her own security detail because you can't really trust the cops uh, that the police department would assign. And why is that? Here's what he writes. Alderman Edward Burke, who's been playing puppet master behind the scenes against Lightfoot. I like the puppet master. Has a vast law enforcement based intelligent web. You hear that, D? A vast Law enforcement-based intelligent web that has kept them at the top of the brutal game of Chicago politics for 50 years. And for 50 years, Burke, a former police officer himself, has saying, take care of the coppers first. I've heard him say so myself. Evil Eddie Burke with the police officers like at his control. He controls all the cops are spying on Lori Lightfoot. I'll tell you what, man, I'm so scared. Octavia Spencer's got nothing on evil Eddie Burke. Well, here's what I say. 
I say evil Eddie Burke is all all hype. And the only reason Mayor Rahm uh, kowtowed to him is that Rahm was too chicken to take him on. Instead, Mayor Rahm made Karen Lewis into his enemy. And at the very beginning of his administration, he took her on and did things like close mental health clinics. Take a chill pill, man. <laughs> close schools because he didn't want to confront Eddie Burke. So I think it's all hype. I think Lori Lightfoot's going to be more powerful than Eddie Burke. I don't think Eddie Burke's going to be that big a deal. Yeah, I said it. I predicted it. I went on the air and said it. Take a chill pill, it. man. <laughs> take a chill pill. Uh, take a chill pill. Okay, Mayor Rahm, I'll take a chill pill. Just like you took one with evil Eddie Burke. Anyway, in the meantime, Lori Lightfoot, whatever you do, don't go into the basement. We got a great show there today, everybody. Ramon Hussein will be here. We'll ask her what she thinks about evil Eddie Burke. Uh, it's the Ramon Rundown every Friday in the Ben Jaravsky Show. And then Mike Novak, one of our favorite uh, guests, will be coming in. We're talking about all things environmental in the city of Chicago. Uh, will Lori Lightfoot be a better environmental mayor than Mayor Rahm or Mayor Daly? It's be hard to be worse than the last two. Uh, and finally, our good friend Dave Gloatz uh, will be in the studio. Mr. Bike, ring, ring. That's my bike. <laughs> ring, ring. And he'll be talking about all the TIFF updates. This guy's been really studying on his TIFF stuff. I've been writing one great article after another, seeing where our money's going to. It's going off the window. You know, I'm going to find somebody to talk trade policy. I'm utterly obsessed, D. Yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> okay, with uh, uh, Donald Trump finding $16 billion to give to farmers not to produce goods. Where do you find $16 billion? In the near, what's the near? Here. I found two dollars in the dryer once. <laughs> I know two dollars in the dryer. I mean, I found a quarter in the in the sofa the other day. But sixteen billion dollars? Just you know, he had a press conference yesterday. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Had these farmers behind him with like make potatoes great hats again. Did you see those hats? Oh, yeah, yeah. Make That's like the best thing to come out of that press conference. And we got sixteen billion dollars. Where did you find sixteen billion? Maybe Romana or uh, Mike Novak or Dave Gloatz or any of our weekend guests can explain to me where they found $16 billion. Anyway, that's uh, just many of the uh, topics we'll be discussing. But before we get to that, the doctor with the news. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm Dennis. Not a doctor. It's the middle of the final day of the week. And before we do what we normally do at this time, find out what's happening in the national news. We got to talk about this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Not one, not two, but three Bonus interviews for you to download this weekend. Mm -hmm. These are download only. Live streamers and YouTubers. Uh, YouTubers, I can't talk. Go subscribe to the podcast <laughs> and check them out. Worlds collided on this Saturday's bonus. Ben invited a writer from the Chicago Tribune into the studio. And yes, he made it in and out of the Sun-Times <laughs> building safely. We took care of him. Don't worry, Trib lovers. He's really tall. He's Tribune writer Eric Zorn. Ben, if you could, convince these listeners to download our Saturday Benny J bonus interview uh, on Eric Saturday. Eric Zorn's a great column. And uh, but yeah, we had to sneak him in. He's really tall. He is he's about six seven or whatever he is. So we had him wear a Groucho Marx disguise to get him past. That's the tallest Groucho Marx I've ever seen. Anti millennials, <laughs> right? Millennials like who? Uh, but anyway, Eric's on a great columnist. Been uh, writing for the Tribune since the eighties, and uh, we talk about all the issues of the day. We don't see completely. I believe we're pretty close uh, on many of the issues. I have to say, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, bringing a trip person over, huh? You know, uh, and we learned a new word thanks to Eric Zorn. What? Tribrals. Oh, that's no, is it Tribrals? Right, Tribral, <laughs> Tribrals. I I always thought that the Tribune was the right wing paper. I come on, I was 
raised by Democrats uh, of the New Deal variety. And the Tribune was this evil newspaper that endorsed Republicans uh, like Nixon, etc. But apparently did not was not aware of this, that the Tribune now is viewed by MAGA hat wearers. <laughs> As being liberal, like man, liberal is they. Donald Trump has successfully moved the conversation to the right if the Tribune is viewed as liberal. So anyway, Eric Zorn, uh, really interesting guy, knows a lot about uh, the world and journalism and politics. Fun interview. It's uh, we're going to release it. What time, D? Six in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, oh boy. Now the next two we haven't recorded yet, to be mm-hmm. honest. So this could be subject to change, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Our Sunday bonus interview. Ben says you're going to love him. Oh, Marcy yeah. Love and D. Bobane. Now yeah. Ben the these two ladies are Republicans, but there's a twist, is there not? Mm-hmm. There's a twist. <laughs> they are lifelong Republicans, and uh, they believe their party has abandoned them. We're going to be talking about uh, issues like Republicans and abortion, Republicans and environmental control. Uh, D and uh, Marcy go back to the 60s, and they're sort of like, um, how do I put this? I'll, no, my, I'll lose every millennial I have. But uh, Be nice. <laughs> uh, Gerald Ford, Republicans, moderate Republicans, Republicans who believe in choice, Republicans. You know, Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency. Did you know that? Richard Nixon was the former president of the United States, helping out my millennials here. Uh, he was a former president of the United States. He was Republican, and a lot of liberals hated him, but... By today's standards, he was pretty liberal. So the world uh, has definitely moved to the right, and uh, we're going to talk to a couple of Republicans about how they feel about that. Marcy Love and Dee Bobain, our Sunday Benny J bonus interview. That'll be once again at 6 in the morning on Sunday. And Monday, this one uh, comes out oh, at yeah. 5 in the morning for everybody who maybe has to get up god-awfully early to uh, go to work. He's no stranger to the Ben Jarofsky Show, so he really needs no introduction. He's president of the Chicago Principals Association and former 2019 Chicago mayoral candidate, Mr. Troy LaRavier. Ben, what are you going to talk with Troy Everything. about this time around? Everything. Uh, it's been about a couple months since Troy's been on the show. He's one of the most powerful progressive voices in the city of Chicago. So we'll definitely be talking about what he expects from Lori and what he, his views on Rom and the schools. But also, he said he's ready to talk trade policy. Okay, he said, I read it. I'm ready to talk. We're going to talk about how. Still don't understand this. Maybe some of my uh, listeners of the right-wing persuasion can explain how Republicans who oppose absolutely any measure that would help somebody in, let's say, Chicago or the state of Illinois and uh, a larger, you know, can su- never have money for programs that help local people but suddenly can find $16 billion just under the table where all the libertarians hide out. $16 billion to pay farmers not to produce goods so that Trump can continue this insane trade war with China that nobody really understands why he's doing it in the first place. So maybe, you know, uh, Troy can give me some uh, insights into that as well. By the way, Libertarian, uh, the last one who hit under the table, you left your I Love Alex Jones bumper <laughs> sticker behind. What are you doing? But it's this week's Biddy uh, J bonus interview, yeah. Saturday, Eric Zorn, Sunday, Marcy Love and D. Bo Bain and Monday, Bobian, Bobian yeah. and Monday, Troy LaRavier. Yeah. Download them at both SunTimes and Reader website, chicago.suntimes.com slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com. The Ben Jarofsky shows at the top of the page and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Okay, let's do the national news. Crazy Nancy. I tell you what, I've been watching her and I have, I have been watching her for a long period of time. She's not the same person. Uh, she's lost it. Donald Trump <laughs> took the bait. 
It's been a <laughs> it's been a weird week for our president, okay? Oh my! Because God. Donald Troll, the trolliest troll in the troll wide world, Donald Trump. Wow. Uh, he, <laughs> that was good. He kind of got his ass handed to him by Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Oh, excuse me, Mr. President, can you hold on to your ass for me real quick? Thank you. <laughs> Take so, kind out of that sentence. So let's recap. President Trump stormed out of a meeting with Pelosi and fellow Democrats Wednesday, and later in a press conference said that he just can't work with these damn Democrats unless they drop the Mueller investigation. Oh, and all of those subpoenas. D.C. Democrats have been calling for Pelosi to jump on board and voice her support for impeaching the president. She still insists that that is a bad idea. And here's where the ass-handing began. And as they say, ass-handings typically come in threes, right? Number one. Number one. <laughs> Pelosi said Trump is involved in a cover-up. Number two. She went around and told everyone that he threw a tipper tantrum after storming out of the meeting. And finally. Number three. She said she's worried for Trump and that she prays for his well-being, his family, and hopes for an intervention. Yes, she trolled the troll, guys. <laughs> Trump then responded during a press conference Thursday, first calling Pelosi Crazy Nancy. Believe me, that was enough to get Ben Jarofsky upset. He was ready to fly down to D.C. to defend her right then and there. He loves Nancy Pelosi, guys, if you're new to the show, all right? But here's Donald Trump. I was extremely calm. I was probably even more so in that room. So I walked into the cabinet room. You had the, uh, the group, crying Chuck. Crazy Nancy, I tell you what, I've been watching her, and I have I have been watching her for a long period of time. Oh, she's not the same person. Uh-huh. Uh, she's lost it. Mm. She's lost it, Ben. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's a guy to talk about losing it, Donald Trump. Wow. Then, and yes, he actually did this, guys, to prove, indeed, he did not have a temper tantrum. Oh, yeah. He had a few of his goons who were at the meeting between him and the Democrats. They, he had them confirm that the president was very calm, very calm and professional, all right? You were very calm. Kellyanne's right, you were very calm. Very calm and straightforward what? and clear. I'm an extremely stable genius. <laughs> what a psycho, what guys. A, you're president, ladies and gentlemen. What a psycho. Oh, my God. No new uh, Pelosi versus Trump updates as of yet, and that may be the end of it for now because the president is off to Japan for a three-day visit. Before he took off, Trump reiterated Thursday's speech that he cannot cooperate over bipartisan legislation in the current political climate, and he also confirmed his plans to send 1,500 troops to the Middle East. All right, Trump has lost. Wow, just drop that one. 1,500 troops in the Middle East. Just send some troops over the Middle East. The deal that he was supposed to be negotiating with Pelosi and Schumer, ladies and gentlemen, was an infrastructure deal, and uh, rebuilding our crumbling roads and bridges is one of the few things that Democrats and Republicans, well, used to believe in, uh, agree on, I should say, because everybody drives on a road, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Everybody has to drive across a bridge, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So it's a good idea to have bridges that don't collapse or roads that are not filled with potholes. You're crazy. You know, I know. It's so ludicrous. Wow, what an extreme person I am. By the way, great column on this by Neil Steinberg in today's Sun-Times. <laughs> Got to give a shout-out to Neil. and Because um, uh, he tells it like it is on this column pointing out the obvious that this is just basic bread and butter stuff that responsible and, and the bar is low when i say responsible leaders do uh just to 
show the public that they can take care of the basics. Donald Trump is so freaking insane about the investigations into his criminal dealings, alleged criminal dealings, his collusion, alleged collusion, uh, and his cover-ups, alleged cover-ups, that he's just willing to hold hostage the roads, the bridges, everything, and let it all fall apart and crumble. Meanwhile, he's got $16 billion. Would you explain that to me, D? Where do you find $16 billion to pay off farmers not to produce goods. Would you please explain that to I, me? I don't know. You're from Alton? Oh, wait. Donald Trump has something to say. What's that, Donald? No collusion. <laughs> oh, okay. Just wanted to clear that up, I guess. It's just unbelievable. So anyway, he, uh, yeah, he's so freaking upset. And there is something about Nancy Pelosi that triggers him. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, perhaps it's the fact that she's a very powerful woman who doesn't do whatever he says. Apparently, he's used to women just doing whatever he says. And um, so he just freaks out when she stands up to him and loses his control and is cool and says stupid things. And, but that was so classic to, to like defend himself. He drags out. Who were the people that he dragged out that you just played those clips of? Was oh, it I Kelly know one Conway? Of them was Kellyanne Conway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I didn't know who the other no, two there was. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, those are uh, unbiased sources. Uh, let's just bring out my, the people who owe their livelihoods to me to claim how rational and sane I am. And the question that everybody has is, why would any of you work for this lunatic? But uh, anyway, so it's at one level, it's kind of funny, D. Uh, on the other level, it's kind of sad because, um, guys... Our roads, uh, you, hello. <laughs> they go, hello, can you fix the roads? No, he's off to Japan, huh? I bet he's going to find some uh, money in the uh, the airplane. Oh, there's the $16 billion. Man, to live like that guy, that'd be cool. Anyway, crazy stuff from our president that uh, you decided to elect, America. And just on a side note, boy, I am on fire today on this soundboard. Take a chill pill, oh. man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I will, Rom. Uh, Mayor Rom. Ed D, remember. What? He's smart and you're not. Oh, about, yeah, right? of course, of course. Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. We're mm. moving along because we're about to find out what's going on locally. People, we're about to find out what else is news. And, oh, my Lord, what happened here? Just hang tight with me, guys. Let's find out what else is news. Okay. And uh, we'll be honest, kind of a slow news day, guys. Believe it or not, when you see stories about uh, Lori Lightfoot's new city council podium, pretty good indicator that there isn't much going on. So let's go to the well again, Ben, and let's talk about legalizing recreational reefer in Illinois. What do you say? All right. Sounds good to me. Hey, all right. But first, right now, posted on both Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook and Twitter pages at Benny J Show and at ChicagoReader.com. It's the latest Chicago Reader column from our very mm. own Ben Jarofsky. Ben attended Mayor Lori Lightfoot's inauguration ceremony on Monday. I saw the video. I was looking around. I didn't see him anywhere. I did see uh, our good friend Doris Davenport, though. Did not see Ben Jarofsky. But uh, hey, he got material out of it, so that's good. The column is titled Ready for Reform Chicago. Ben, tell everybody what they'll learn when they read you. Yes, it's work. in uh, the reader. Here you go. See it on the reader. Great cover shot uh, of Lori Lightfoot. Uh, yeah, I talked about this on the a little bit uh when was that tuesday when i came back uh the, for the start of the week uh yeah it was uh fascinating first time i'd been to inauguration yeah i think it may be the first time i wasn't gonna go but maya made me go my uh, partner crime with the uh the reader so i went there they put me gave us a seat on press row got to sit with the big shots uh of the press corps uh and listen to lori lightfoot's speech and i was told you're not allowed to cheer 
cheer in the press box. Okay, somebody said you're not allowed to cheer in the press box. We're all you know hardened, crusty cynical skeptical drink liquor that we keep in a bottle in our oh, jacket wow i want to go to the next one <laughs> press corps chicago press corps all right we don't believe anything anyone tells us Dang. if your mother tells you love her if your mother says she loves you check it out that's chicago all right we're cynical but i was cheering man i was like yeah <laughs> can't <laughs> help myself man uh so life yeah. lover over uh, yeah you know I mean, maybe it's like many of our guests have said they are suffering from post-traumatic stress uh, disorder from the ROM years because the guy was a freaking lunatic uh, who (laughs) thought it was a good idea to close mental health clinics in high crime areas. Mm, Here's a really good idea from our mayor. Anyway, uh, so maybe I'm just uh, getting over the ROM years, but I'm I'm really welcoming the fact that uh, we have a new mayor, Lori Lightfoot. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, she said all the right things. That moment where she pivoted and turned to the city council, I've talked about this many times there was a moment where she turned to the city council and she sort of warned them that you know she was going to um, ride tough hurt on them she wasn't going to allow them uh, to steal and cheat and lie and etc etc uh it was a great dramatic moment he, uh, apparently according to what Lori Lightfoot's aides tell me it was unplanned I'm a little doubtful about that but uh, anyway uh it, the crowd loved it I didn't love that part that much you know what I'm saying like I don't know maybe Maybe uh, I'm getting sentimental in my old age, but I don't hate Alderman the way Chicagoans seem to really dislike their all. I mean, it's clear, evil Eddie Burke. I mean, <laughs> evil Eddie Burke is scary and frightening, and he's been living off the public dole forever with his property tax business that like, forces people feel compelled to hire him, although really I don't understand why anybody hires him. I mean, what's he going to do to you folks? He's not going to snatch away your TIF deal. Maybe they're worried about that. Well, based on that intro you gave him. What's on your mind? I'm frightened by all <laughs> I know, of them. Evil, evil Ed. So there's Ed Burke. But Don't most, go in the basement. You know, most all. <laughs> stay away from the basement. Lord. Most aldermen aren't bad. They're good people, you know. Anyway, uh, so, but that was uh, that was an easy way to uh, win the crowd's applause when she did that turn and face the alderman thing. And if that helps her uh, deal with evil Eddie Burke, all right, I'll grant her that one. But uh, anyway, that's kind of what I wrote about. Once again, the article is titled Ready for Reform Chicago. It's posted on the Ben Drosky Show Facebook and Twitter pages at Benny J Show and at ChicagoReader.com. We had a listener weigh in on the Facebook page on your article, Ben. Ready for Reform Chicago. Our friend Julie says, Reform! (laughs) (laughs) Well, she put like those emoticons that are laughing. Yeah, no, I kind of uh, share your thoughts there. Listen, I I always tell people never use the word reform in in connection with anything that comes out of Chicago or anything comes out of Illinois. Uh, And I'm very distrustful of the concept of reform as it's been used in the past, which generally means taking money from programs that benefit ordinary working people and unions, et cetera, and then spending them uh, or giving them to the well-to-do through tax breaks. So whenever anybody advocates that we're we're going to be reforming the city of Chicago by changing tax law laws, it's generally an idea, uh, it's generally sort of a hint that the, uh, the the ordinary working person is going to get screwed. So I am a little um, suspicious of people who use the word reform when it comes to the city of Chicago. But, you know, it's a new it's a new day, D. Oh. Maybe I'll be proved, you know, maybe Lori will prove me wrong. New Ben Jarofsky, same gray sweatshirt that I've seen two years ago. What's the matter with this sweatshirt? Oh, no, it's just the same shirt. Okay. All right, moving on, we have another poll to share with all of you. Thursday, we talked about a poll from the... 
folks at Tolchin Research mm-hmm. asking if Illinois Trump supporters back Governor J.B. Pritzker's graduated income tax plan. Turns out, yeah, a lot of them do. Well, the guys and gals over at Tolchin Research have been busy. Mm. The following comes from them as well. Take a break, Tolchin. Good Lord. <laughs> this one is asking downstate voters if they support cannabis legalization. You're kidding. I'm not Somebody kidding. actually did this? Yes, Ben. It looks like your theory that all downstaters smoke reefer and are in favor of legalization has been taken to the test. Oh, well, what did they find out? Well, according to Tolchin Research, 65% of downstate voters support legalization compared to 33% who oppose. Wow. The numbers are similar in Western Illinois, 64% favor, 32% oppose. And in Northern Illinois, 61% favor, 36% oppose. Wait a minute. Hold it. I am no Dan Biss. No, but you're according not. to this poll, 65% of downstaters support legalizing reefer and 61% of upstaters support. Is that what that says? Yes, so sir. more, according to that poll, support legalization downstate than upstate. Wait, let me do the carry the one. Yeah. Proves my point. <laughs> the proves my point. All right. The poll surveyed 600 voters across three regions of swing state legislative districts. Downstate polling was done in state house districts 76 and 112. Western polling in state house districts 45, 48, and 49. Northern house districts 51, 53, 61, and 62 also were surveyed. Representatives of those districts are all Democrats. I'm telling you if uh, you've heard of these guys or gals, all right. Lance Yednock. Yeah. Okay. Okay, tell us about Lance. I Gettinock. can't really tell you much about him, but uh, was Lance on the old show? No, he might have been on the old show. Wait, the Dave. old show. What is that? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, wanna, uh, uh, you remember the old show? Yeah, he got fired. All right. uh, how about Katie Stewart? Uh, she was never on the old show. Diane Pappas. Uh, she wasn't on the old show either. Tara Costa Howard. Uh, yeah, on the old show. Yeah, Tara Costa Howard was on the old show. When was she on the old show? Can't remember, but she was on. Karina mm. Villa. Not on the old show. We have Mary Edley Allen. On the old show. Mark Walker. Not on the old show. Joyce Mason. Nope. And Sam Yingling. Uh, nope. All right. And then the quote from the poll here says, Our polling finds that legalizing, regulating, and taxing marijuana is backed by wide margins across all three of these regions, and that majorities in each region would be more likely to vote for a state legislative candidate who backs legalization. All right. Now. Everybody who listened to the old show know that Dennis and I had field day with this. Uh, back during the gubernatorial campaign of 2018, Bruce Rauner gave an interview with a radio station in downstate Illinois, Carterville. WJPF in Carterville, Illinois, with Tom Miller. Man, how do you remember that? I'm a radio guy. Uh, Carterville. Anyway, uh, downstate Carterville. Uh, and Rauner playing to what he thought the audience felt was strong in his denunciation against the legalization of reefer. Came on, Paul, I'm against it. Do your honor imitation, D. Uh, 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 dirty dopers. <laughs> yeah, the dirty dopers. And I listen to this. I'm going, why does he think this is going to get him votes downstate? Please explain that to me. The few times I've been downstate, I haven't been down a lot. A lot of people are smoking reefer down there. And then Dennis pointed out had hit that, that he knew a guy called the Cookie Man. Was that what his name was? Yeah, the Cookie Man. Sold weed cookies. <laughs> Sold weed cookies. Big time business in the Alton area. That's downstate. This notion that somehow or other, marijuana is a strange alien weed that only weird people do. That And they do in the privacy of their homes or like their little caves that they live in. 
but that normal people in Main Street, Illinois, don't do it. They're outraged and shocked. It's just one of these little contrivances that Republicans are still playing. And some Democrats, too, by the way. It's completely not true. There's so many people that smoking marijuana their whole lives, including people who live downstate. So I've been having fun with this one ever since. And now this poll shows that we were right. In fact, do you remember I said that? I could probably run uh, for mayor of Carterville, get a lot of votes on a legalized weed platform. I'd never even been to Carterville. I bet you there's someone in Carterville smoking a joint right now. So, uh, more things looking up for the Democrats in Illinois here. Uh, Trump supporters back the fair tax. And now, downstaters are for recreational cannabis legalization. Listen, Republicans out there, I do not know why you remain in that party. Everything, every principle your party supposedly upholds to has been thrown out the window. Number one, you're supposed to be conservatives, how you spend the public dollar. We just discovered that Donald Trump somehow, somewhere found $16 billion, $16 billion to pay farmers not to produce products so that he can continue this crazy trade law, law with war, excuse me, with China that nobody understands. I've been asking all my guests to come on. Do you guys understand the trade? Nope. Don't ask me any questions about the trade war, Ben. Don't know anything about it. Can't explain it. So I don't know why anybody remains a member of the Republican Party or why there's not an effort to take back the Republican Party from the lunatics who now control it. But D, that's where we stand. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you. Hey, what else is news? All right, well, let me tell you something. Okay, lay it on me. Uh, something that uh, Octavia Spencer's ma thinks. Wait, her mother? No, the character ma. Oh, okay. And something that that crazy clown in the sewer in It thinks. Oh, God. And something that evil Eddie Burke thinks. Please stop. <laughs> You're frightening me. I have a lot of show to go uh, <laughs> They all think you did a great job, and you should give yourself a raise and take it out of petty cash. Ramon is sitting here. She's waiting to explain Donald Trump's trade policies when we return. Don't go in the basement! <laughs> the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. 
Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, indeed. We are back. We are live. Ramana Hussein is in the studio. One of our most popular feature every Friday, the Ramana Rundown. She's an editor at the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, covers absolutely everything because she pretty much, well, she edits every kind of story in the world. It used to cover the criminal courts building. Ramana, welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me again. All right. So now uh, I promised that you would be able to explain where Donald Trump found $16 billion just to throw at farmers. I, I don't know that much about the story. I don't know where the money came from. I just remember somebody laughing yesterday in the newsroom and point, and I was like, I knew what they were laughing at because Donald Trump was standing there and there was a couple of men standing around with cowboy hats. And I was like... What are you laughing? I'm like, I know what you're laughing at. And I was like, oh. You know, it was very, very bizarre. Farmers need money. But yeah, where did that money come from? $16 billion? Can we put it some, can we take some of it and put it elsewhere? I know. And then if you, if if like. Not to say say the farmers don't need it. I understand that they do. Well, no, the farmers need the money in this particular case because Donald Trump has ignited a trade war with China where he slapped tariffs on goods coming in from China. They've retaliated by slapping goods, uh, tariffs on goods coming into them. So the, the. The farmers are without a market, so he's substituting one real market, you know, with a artificial market, which is the opposite of everything a free market person would say. And yet Republicans go along with it. anyway. I'm just having fun with trying to keep. And then they find these guys to stand behind him. Yeah, with, like with a, the cowboy hat. A cowboy I, hat. And, 
Make potatoes know. great again. <laughs> I, just, I, I shouldn't laugh. I'm sure people wear cowboy hats all the time. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah I, I just not a big cowboy hat. All right, let's get down to business. Uh, speaking of which, uh, yesterday I gave a huge shout out to the Sun-Times for their cock-a-doodle-don't headline. Uh, which, loves this no, I headline. Love, I'm going to put this and on the I wall. Can, I can tell you, I mean, I remember being in the news meeting when the... Talk. So when the uh, it was actually I will mention the name of the person who came up with it that was Daryl Jevons uh, he's a features editor so we were just sitting there and he is within like two seconds he goes cockadoodle don't and then then there was another guy uh, another guy had offered um, his take on what he thinks it should have been and he said cock blocked oh and I like that one too but did I you guys I, do vote on these things no you know sometimes people like you know you think it would be certain people who'd come up with it like. Daryl Jevons and this other person who came with up with it. I'll mention his name. I'm sure he'll be okay with it. Brian Barker, who works on our layout desk. Uh-huh. I mean, he's the one that came out with Burger Sting too. Okay, which is very good. One. Yeah, and a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people do. Hot don't, headline, man. Brian isn't on social media, so everybody was going on. I, I told him, I'm like, you know, everybody's talking about your headline on Twitter. Wait, time out. He's not not on social no, media. No, is he a millennial? He's a youngster. He's he's uh, he's generation. I want to say he's close to the border. Between generation. Yeah, he's a generation in between. I forgot what they call him, but my younger Uh, sister's in between. I actually think there's just Gen X and then it becomes millennial. It's like... uh, Well, some people in their late 30s, early 40s, there's a question as to whether they're really millennials or... Well, nobody in their 40s, sorry, is... So uh, That is... Right, we're on the... They're late 30s, but I don't know. I feel like... People in their late thirties are too old to be millennials, uh, but anyway, I, people so this say thirty at thirty. Yeah, but this, you know, that the headline sometimes people just kind of come up with them, and they're, you know, some people are very good. They just come off. They just say it within like seconds. You know, we'll be going over the stories that we have on the budget for the next day, and I could have sworn Daryl just spat it out. Well, it was <laughs> you know, hilarious. Of course, we're all like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I haven't got or you know, I got my paper. I'm get the coffee. I turn the page to the Fred cockadoodle dog, and this picture of this random rooster, which <laughs> is just this is crap. I'm yelling at my wife, Pam, look at this. This thing is really funny. She's trying to get to work. I am too busy. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I yeah just, so that's that we do come up with. I mean, I'm not saying we because it's not necessarily me, but a lot of uh, these um, individuals do come up with. My colleagues do come with headlines really quick. Yeah, and then so the follow up uh, after urban farmers cry foul, Cook County. <laughs> so you said uh, it was. A, how is it spelled? F- well, it's a misspelling, and uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But uh, okay, the joke. It's about to happen. <laughs> Listen, look, I'm the last guy. I can't spell. I'm uh, dyslexic, so I'm always reversing Are things. You? Yeah, I've struggled with this issue my yeah, whole no. life. Yeah, I, I know. I keep it a secret. <laughs> my, only, only my editors at the reader, I'm constantly reversing letters and oh, I'm terrible with directions. Oh, there's definitely some stories I edit and I've, I've told people, I'm like, I think this person is dyslexic. <laughs> But well, not to, not to, I'm just no, like, I know, the way they're a, flipping things around, yeah. and I'm like... Well, it's really hard for me. Like, I'm doing directions. All right, I don't know if you have this struggle. So, I always do this. So, I'm going, I'm going to turn, I'm going to go left. Uh, ben, you mean right? Oh, yeah, right. I, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, in kindergarten, I didn't know the difference between my right and left, so the teacher wrote 
right R on my right hand and L on my left hand. <laughs> that was like that was in kindergarten, True but I got confession. you got over that by first grade. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. after Urban Farmers Cry Foul, Cook County Board tables roosters ban. So the big story was the essay was about a ban on roosters. Yeah, in unincorporated Cook County. In unincorporated, so Cry Foul would be F O U L, like you foul someone in a basketball game, and they spelled it F O W L. And that was probably done on purpose because of the topic. That was a joke, Ben. Yeah. It was. That was a joke. A pun. <laughs> Whatever, doesn't matter. I'm the only one who noticed it anyway. But it's a very funny lead. A proposed ban on roosters in unincorporated Cook County didn't fly. Who? <laughs> oh, I, thought, I, thought they were very, I thought it was a very fun, funny. Yeah. Fun. It was a very tongue-in-cheek, very full of puns yeah. story. All right, let's get more serious okay. uh, about journalism, the state of journalism. This is something uh, that uh, Mick Dumkey and I, um, my dear friend and your husband, talk about endlessly. The state of journalism. We're not particularly uh, optimistic about it right now. No. Especially in light of the fact uh, that the Atlantic made Rahm Emanuel a contributing editor, and then he wrote this. He's been writing a series of editorials um, which are completely revisionistic, com- totally rewriting the history of how he ran the city of Chicago and doing it with this imperious, arrogant style as though he is smarter than everybody else in the whole freaking universe and he knows all the solutions to everything. And they have only listened to him, we would get things right, even though what he's saying completely contradicts the things that he did. So it requires people to be stupid, Ramana, to buy it. That's my take on it. Uh, so, are you as? Uh, I think a lot of people yeah. are just really upset that he is now a contributing editor. Maybe it was mostly journalists who were upset, and a lot of activists. From what I saw on Twitter, I mean, people were just talking about it left and right. It was, you know, I think it was trending on Twitter. He's also, I think, isn't he like a analyst for ABC? Yeah, political analyst yeah. for ABC. Um, I don't know. I think it's emblematic. Is that the correct word of what journalism has become today? I think anybody can kind of become a journalist. If you, I, I, I don't know. I've seen it, you know, sadly, I've watched so many people who are talented get lose their jobs. And I've seen a lot of people <laughs> work as journalists who really have no business being journalists. And it's kind of sad, you know, um, the way people kind of think what or what a journalist should should be. Some people just have a lot of Twitter followers and management in different journalism departments think, oh, they must be a great journalist. And that's not necessarily true. I think journalism, you know, it requires a lot of work and it requires a lot of grunt work. And, you know, if you have name recognition in some sort of way, whether it's social media or in politics or you're just famous, I mean, you can you can become a journalist. I mean, it's just like it's just also similar to how anybody can anybody famous can get a book deal. They might not necessarily be the best writer in the mm-hmm. world, but because of who they are, people are like, oh, everybody's going to read. And I don't know, you know, I'm I was born in Chicago, raised in you know the northern suburbs, so I really I I've lived you know partially in different parts of, of the country, but like not for very long. I'm mm-hmm. pretty much a lifelong Chicago area person. So I don't know how popular he is outside of Chicago, but it seems like these news organizations, like nobody in Chicago would hire him <laughs> as hope. a contributing editor. Yeah. I would think, you know, just, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't have any, I'm sure he has talents and skills. I, and I don't think he's the smartest person in the room, but I guess he's smart to some extent. But, you know, I think it's just, you know, the way that he's able to go and write things 
like the way he wants it. I mean, I think the latest story that he did kind of made a lot of people angry because he's talking about the elite. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a and story not, we chides yeah, the elites. Yeah. yeah, and he's just talking, and you know, I was just kind of laughing when I read it because he said stuff like, "Well, you know." You know the middle class is like Cinderella, and the the, the um, elite—they're like the evil stepsisters. Except in this story, they get to marry the prince. I guess, he, and he started talking about the college scandal, and you know, a lot of other different you know headlines in the news. And it's just interesting. I mean, he would be considered elite in my book. I mean, yeah, I yeah. even you know even I like I I don't think I was raised in a you know I I know people have arguments about what middle class is. I probably was raised in a home that was more upper middle class than middle class. So it's just kind of funny for him to take on the role of like, you know, well, middle class when he's considered the elite. The elite, the mayor 1% is, yeah. is the nickname he earned. Yeah. And the, the, we had Linda Lutton, the, the journalist from WBEZ, uh, on the, a real journalist, a real, yeah. real, real I know journalist. she's a real journalist. Uh, an outstanding journalist. She came on and she did one of our bonus interviews and she was talking about a story she had uh, done about the fact that middle class people were being priced out of Chicago, that the city no, of Chicago, yeah, that we're becoming a city more of extremes, really wealthy people and uh, really poor people. And there's fewer middle class people. And she was using the, the conventional definition by uh, income of middle class. And it's just so iro- ironic that the mayor who pr- uh, who ran the city at a time when this demographic change was occurring would suddenly feel like he's he has the freedom to speak up for the forgotten middle class. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I think people feel like he's really arrogant in that sense. And and now he's a contributing editor going to be talking about Chicago, right? Isn't he, He's probably going to be mentioning the city and people feel like he's just going to be kind of editorializing or just changing history and well, how we, he, I, I don't know if he's going to change history, but just kind of write it, write a lot of these things from his viewpoint or his vantage point, And he might not necessarily get all the angles. Yeah. I, I, I guess I, maybe I'm being unfair to TV news. Uh, Ramon, when I say this, I, when, when I see that ABC hires him to be an on the air personality, I'm not really critical. Of that. What, would I, what do you expect? He's a personality. He's a celebrity. People know who he is. So that could drive ratings. I'm more upset with it, the Atlantic. Because you think print. I know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know what? These yeah, days, I, print really. You're right. I'm just saying there's, I think the standards have gotten down in print too. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm just saying as someone who's been in the business and I'm not even, I don't think I'm like the best journalist in the world, but when I um, saw people, I saw a lot of journalists who put in years and years and are really talented. They got laid off. I mean, I was, when I was uh, um, on the editorial board at the Sun-Times, they, I was on it for a few months. I was on there for a trial basis and I wanted to go back to reporting. They like totally got rid of the entire editorial board and there was a lot of talented writers on there. So you know, talented writers and thinkers. To, to reporters. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, and I don't know, we've, you know, you look at the people around in Chicago, there's still a lot of talented writers out there, but I think um, the standards have definitely changed and mm-hmm. what you're trying to get. I mean, I know a lot of people are that Everybody's talking about branding, like that's taken over mm-hmm. what actual journalism is. You know, I, I don't, I think people, you know, just, I mean, I sound like an old person because I look at some of like, even the, some of the younger journalists we have are like really talented. I've seen some young journalists, they just want to be stars overnight. They don't want to put in the grunt work and, 
I think the star being a star, being having a face out there, which is important. I understand branding's different and I understand journalism changing. And I think Twitter's great actually for getting a lot of the voice of people who usually are not heard mm-hmm. out there. But I also think there's this reluctance to actually learn how to be a journalist because there's a lot of grunt work. Well, when so I, th- I think print journalism, it's not, obviously we're both print journalists, so we have like we think of it as different and i think it is definitely still different than tv but i think the standards are getting a little more closer to tv well let's put it this way uh an operative like rahm emanuel uh or you know david axelrod or sarah huckabee sanders or i'm trying to think of the other kellyanne conway uh, these people are political operatives and uh they have a they have a different beast than a journalist yeah. and they're they're all about shaping news uh, uh our view of it they're not it's not about discovering a truth or trying to figure out what's really going on it's about it's it, it effectively manipulating us into believing whatever they want us to believe in that's the but game don't you think in. people think that about news like i'm sure liberals look at fox news and they're like or progressives look at fox news and they're like that's the way you're shaping it and then i'm sure there's a lot of people who are conservative think that all mainstream media is you know, they call it liberal media, right? So. And, and I guess, yeah, what we're really saying here is that um, standards have fallen so bad in large, to a large degree from what you're talking about, like legitimate journalists who are not into manipulation have been trained to as much as they can, as best they can to get at what's going on, uh, are getting fired. Yeah. It was like, it's kind of like season five of The Wire. I mean, season you know. Five, yeah. It's just season like, five, yeah. Season five, back in time there. Well, no, I'm just saying, because I, I mean, it's been 11 years, but we've, I've seen so many people get laid off at the Sun-Times, and they were people that I was, I were, I was reading when I was a younger, mm-hmm. younger teenager, I was a teenager or in college, and it was, I, I mean, I, a lot of us felt survivor's guilt, because I was like, what am I still yeah. doing here? And I'm watching this veteran like, you know, either have to t- force to take a buyout or, you know, be forced out or mm-hmm. take, you know, just basically laid off. So it's a shame what's happened to journalism. I still believe in it. I still believe there's a lot of good journalists out there and I still think it's there. But I think because the way things are changing, you know, print subscriptions, we're all about being online and making sure we get the, you know, a lot of hits. It's like the, some of the attitudes are changing a little. And I just hope, the essence of journalism always stays there. I think there's always going to be people like that. Well, all right. Now, speaking of journalism, what's practice uh, today, sometimes and in the Tribune as well, filled with uh, horrible crime stories. You covered the criminal courts building. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did it. For how many years did you do it? I did it for almost 10 years. 10 I did years. it from 2008 wow. to 2017, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. In your opinion, when you were covering these stories and they continue today, I don't know if you edited them, but there's stories about horrific murders. Yes. Uh, carjacking here's the the carjacking story Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think that is uh diminishing news to have so much attention paid uh to murders and these horrific uh, crime stories um i think you still have to do the stories i don't think i think there's a good argument to be made about how we cover these stories and i know a lot of communities of color have complained at the way we cover these stories and there's been discussion in our work in you know in our newsroom about like when do we use mugshots of people and you know when is this necessarily a story so you know we want to dig deeper you know sometimes 
And and as as someone who covered twenty six and Cal, I mean, some of these stories you just have to kind of just do them. You know, it's like you hear about the story. I mean, people are going to talk about the carjacking at the school. Where where did that happen? That happened to Whitney Young, yeah, correct? Whitney Young. I mean, Whitney Young is, uh, you know, it's sad because it's like Whitney. It just didn't happen. If this might have happened at another school, would we have cared? But it's Whitney Young, and mm. you know, people talk about one of the that premier school. high like, schools yeah, in the city. So I think it's a new story. I mean, as someone who, you know, is into the news, I know it's like as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's definitely a story. Um, the story of the little boy whose body was dismembered, that um, the man charged with the little boy's murder was acquitted. But something like that story, it's so horrific that we have to cover it. Mm-hmm. We just can't turn away and pretend it didn't happen. So I, I understand when people criticize journalists for like, continually covering crime in a certain way i think there's different ways we can do it and i'm always open to hearing that but i also don't agree with this viewpoint where we don't cover any crime at all where we we're going to pretend it didn't is not happening i i I don't agree with that either because i i feel like that's that's just kind of ignoring things on another side i think it's it's the way we cover things you know like i i think it's it's a good point when people make when there's a young woman that is um, sexually assaulted in Lakeview, everybody does a story on it, right? Depending where it is. But if this happens like in Englewood, do we really cover it? And that's when I think the, there's good questions about yeah. when stories get covered and when they don't. Mary so. Mitchell, the great columnist for the Sun-Times has been writing this story, uh, has written a column on, on this issue many times mm-hmm. about disappearances throughout the city of Chicago that have gone untalked about other than the column that she's writing or yeah. uninvestigated and uh, it just sort of, sort of like a, a double standard if you will yeah. uh, about people's behavior well you got, people always say that if you're a woman make sure you're a white woman and, and you go missing because then you won't get you nobody's really going to cover your story if you're not so all right but. now speaking of stories that have been uh, well covered uh, <laughs> and some might say overcovered, though I would disagree with that because uh, there's so many overlapping issues here. Give yeah. us uh, it wouldn't be a Ramada rundown with a Jussie Smollett, Jesse Smollett. Uh, update. It's like even the days I think there's I, I, I feel like there's going to be weeks. Where I'm like, OK, there's there's nothing that's going to happen to Jussie Smollett. But of course, something happens. So this week started off with Sheila O'Brien. She's the retired judge mm-hmm. who is filing for a special who has asked for a special prosecutor to look into how state's attorney Kim Fox had handled the Jussie Smollett case. Jussie Smollett, of course, is an Empire actor who was charged with disorderly conduct. Police said that he faked his uh, hate crime against himself so that he would become more famous or you know get a name for himself so anyway she had filed this motion there was a hearing last week and this judge basically the week started off this is the first jesse small story that edited and she was against everything the judge said so she's filed additional motions then someone had maybe her had tipped us off that um tina chen Mm -hmm. the um, former chief of staffer of michelle obama had refused to um take a or be yeah. processed with a subpoena right. on Wednesday. That was a good story in and of but, itself. Yeah. But, so like yesterday, we got an update saying that Tina Chen's, uh, one of her employees said that the process, process server or server, whatever they call yeah. him, had misidentified himself. So she was served her subpoena on Thursday. So oh. she did receive that. Okay. So Tina Chen is, just so people can understand, she apparently is the person that was had been talking to Kim Fox. This is when Jesse Smollett was considered a victim. And she had um, got in touch with Kim Fox and got her in touch with um, a relative of Smollett. This is when this is when everybody thought Jesse Smollett, or he was a possible victim before police said he, he was a suspect. 
So, and then yesterday, um, the judge, the the field, the files, sorry, not the fields, the uh, files in Jesse Smollett's case were sealed when the charges were dropped in March, and the media had asked for the files to be unsealed. And so yesterday, the judge did rule in favor of the media. The file is very thick if you see it, but we didn't expect anything new in the yeah. files because most of the files that we got are arguments from the lawyers that uh, for the, that representing the media. Nobody expected the files to have that much more than what we know. But what was happening was that when um, reporters were fo- um, giving FOIAs to the police department, they were citing the ceiling, this, uh, you know, basically the sealed records as reasons why they couldn't give this information so a lot this is the main reason why reporters were asking for the files to be unsealed just so they could see other documents that police and other you know authorities might have yeah and so yesterday and then also (laughs) sheila o'brien while there's all this stuff happening like there was two in addition to the um the uh, murder trial was talking about involving the um, two-year-old boy that was dismembered, that horrible crime. There was also uh, a man um, that was convicted yesterday in the killing of Officer Michael Bailey. Yeah, so there's two trials word. going on yeah. yesterday. The Smollett thing was happening. There was also a Van Dyke hearing yesterday, a really brief Van Dyke hearing. But in between that, Judge Sheila O'Brien decides to have a news conference and so, you know, she's talking. She didn't really, from what my rep- the reporter I sent out there said, he, she didn't really give anything new, mm-hmm. but she did, you know, somebody had asked her, like, what's your motivation? Because she seems overly enthusiastic in, yes. this, in her endeavors. And she's saying, you know, I'm not running for state's attorney. I, I'm just very interested in finding out, and I'm, I, I care about the law. And well, so, what, what I don't do know. I'm a little cynical yeah, about that. Yeah, you're cynical. Skeptical I, I don't know. is a better word. I'm skeptical. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just want to, I mean, that's okay. I, I, I think she has a right to, like, you know, file her motions. But you just got to wonder. Like, it's like almost every day she's, like, filing something. So, it's kind of keeping it in the news. Well, so. you know, it's funny. We uh, we had Eric Zorn on for a bonus interview. We were ta- I was talking about this earlier. And it's, it'll air uh, on Saturday, our media bonus show. Eric Zorn from the Chicago Tribune. And we, we were talking about journalistic obsessions. Uh, and Eric was talking. I think he wrote, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think he said over 100, may have been over 200. I can't remember which, articles about... Uh, the case of Orlando Cruz. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and he wrote article or column after column about it. And I, I'm teased a lot for being an obsessive reporter, getting a hold of a topic. Uh, so it's a, I, I, f- I feel funny uh, being critical of Sheila O'Brien. I agree. Being no, I, I think you have a good point. I mean, with the John Birch case, um, what was the name of the reporter who like unveiled it from the reader? Oh, John Conroy. John Conroy. Yeah, yeah I was going to say John Conroy, but yeah. I was like, I don't know. But I mean, he. He was obsessive in it, wasn't he? Like yes. in his pursuit, and other mm-hmm. people ignored him. And yes. you know, probably. You know, I remember, I remember covering that case, and a lot of high-profile journalists who are veterans told me that everyone ignored. Yeah. You know, ignored all these stories when they happened. So, you know, you yeah. So I think she does have a right. So when people are thinking she's overzealous, because there are some people, um, you know, who think that Kim Fox shouldn't be questioned at all. I yes. mean, you know, there's, there's, there's like, there's Do you subscribe two. to that notion? Uh, no, I think she should be questioned. Mm-hmm. I, I said, you know, like a lot of these people are obviously fans of Kim Fox and she's done a lot of, you know, you know, they say she's like brought reform into the criminal justice system. That's fine. But I think every elected official, it should be questioned. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about the Jussie Smollett case. I think for people who have questions, it's just the questions about how, this went about because this is not the norm and if you talk to any lawyer or if you've covered criminal courts 
you know that this is very unusual. Mm-hmm. So for people, you know, so I don't know, as, as a reporter, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, who cares about this case? And I understand that because at the end of the day, this is not the crime of the century. But to say that, oh, let's just forget about it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't buy that either. Listen, I, don't. I know there's an inclination if you're a supporter of, uh, of Kim Fox to say, can we just get over this and move on? But in many cases, the same people who were supporters of Kim Fox would be taking a contrarian view. I had the totally different view uh, if it was Anita Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, so That's what I'm saying. So it's like just principle. because you like someone doesn't mean that they shouldn't be questioned. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Well, and, and if you're a journalist and uh, you're you're writing stories about what's going on, I in the mean, news, what about get... what about Trump pardoning certain people? Yeah. You know, what about Trump part? You know, I think there's questions you ask. Why was that? You know, just in the case of Conrad Black, we are supposed to ask questions. Yes. How did you come like, about with that? Yes. So, you know. All right. So, now, before I, I let know. you get out the door, Mike <laughs> Novak, our next guest, is already here doing uh, his yoga stretches before he goes on the air. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. No, back. Uh, all right. So, which movie are you gonna watch first? I love talking movies with Romana. Uh, and which movie are you gonna uh, watch first? Book Smarts or Ma? Probably Book Smart. Okay. I know you. I know you want to watch Ma. And we talked about that a little bit, but I saw the trailer and it just looks so stupid bizarre and okay. weird i mean maybe it's great but i don't know i have I, I was trying to google to see what people have said about the movie so far because it's supposed to come out next week oh it's next but, week, okay right, so like yeah. my mm-hmm. whole thing is okay so i know that the premise is there's this middle-aged black woman buys octavia alcohol spencer, yeah, yeah octavia spencer buys alcohol for some like teens and then all of a sudden she lets these kids party in their in her house and she has all these rules but then i don't know they start breaking rules and then she starts doing you know weird bad sewing their to lips her. together yeah. <laughs> so i don't know okay i was just saying just from the trailer i i mean i'm not i can't say that i'm an african-american person but i don't think any black middle-aged woman would let a bunch of weird dumb white kids come and party in her in her basement that's, that's just yeah. my opinion so i just think the premise is so weird it's like i don't know it's just bizarre. It is a so bizarre movie. I, I just think it's just, I know, I know you, you're excited oh, to see it. I can't wait. But uh, I, so my, my, my theory is, uh-huh. and what I've seen also, and I, I think this is a possibility, maybe she's killing these kids or doing things to them because her, I think there's supposed to be some trauma <laughs> tied to this. So oh, maybe, I, I think maybe her, um, maybe these kids' parents were mean to her in high school or, or oh, racist. Could be. So I'm thinking maybe it's a smart comedy, but I, I just looking at from the, like at a surface level, it just made me crack up because I was like, "All right, so it's not in your top of your list." No, but uh, there's a couple summer movies I want to see. Did you uh, hear about Yesterday? Yeah, that's Dennis's favorite movie. He can't wait to see Yesterday. No, we were he was teasing me. That that's. A, do you want to see that movie Yesterday? Oh, I want to see a movie because of the, there's a South Asian. Oh, that lead. Beatles movie. Yeah, yeah, he's like he he can't stand. I the love Beatles. the Beatles. Yeah, I love the Beatles too. I like too. the Beatles. It's no. like the premises. And then there's another one called Blinded. They're both Blinded by the Light. It's a, a movie about, it's actually based on a memoir. About of Lori Lightfoot? No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's about this, it's actually based on this, uh, so it's also a South Asian lead in this movie, but it's made by the woman who made Bend It Like Beckham, but it's based on this guy's memoir who grew up Pakistani Muslim in the 80s, and he talks about how Bruce Springsteen helped him come, you know, oh, like wow. deal with life and I think I saw the preview for that. So yeah, so yeah. those two movies kind of sound fun, and I, I actually happen to be a Beatles fan, and I like Springsteen, so... 
Huge Beatle fan, huge Springsteen fan, and we learned this about a month ago, loves Bob Seger. <laughs> <laughs> Ramona Hussein, okay, she loves classic rock, all right? I like classic rock, but not just classic rock. No, but I, I want to see, I saw that, uh, the preview for yesterday. There's a lot, it's been kind of a, like a, a, a rough a patch for me with movies. I haven't been a lot they of ha- movies. You know what, there's um, usually the way they do it, they... The summer movies are for popcorn movies and feel-good yeah. movies, and then the fall is when all the critically acclaimed movies yeah. come out. But and I like the popcorn movies. I, I, I like I, some I'm looking of forward them. to Booksmart. Looking forward well, to Well, that's different. Smart. If it's a smart popcorn movie, I like it, but I don't want to watch a dumb popcorn movie that yeah. has nothing um, to say. And uh, No, but I'm looking forward to Booksmart, and I'm looking very much looking okay, forward to Ma. Okay, you have to tell me what you think about Ma. I will. I don't think it's going to be No, it's not next out. week. Uh, I don't think it's going to be no, a Get Out. out or, no, it's not going to be Get Out. It's not going to be Us. Uh, and But uh, I definitely think it has the potential to be a good Chucky movie. You ever watch Chucky they're, movies? They're, they're, they're re- I don't know if you know, but they're redoing Chucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> I was telling my... I have a younger sister who yeah. loved Chucky when she was little, and I I told her, I'm like, you know, they're making a new one. And uh, Chucky was based in Chicago because my sister used to watch the original Chucky was yeah. based in Chicago. No, they can't have enough Chucky so. movies as far as I'm concerned. All right. <laughs> Ramana Hussein, so much fun talking to her. One of these days, we'll get those Ramana Hussein, Ramana Rundown t-shirts. I know, I'm working on it. All right. We got the Tom McNamee hats, right? <laughs> sold out. Oh, sold out of the McNamee hat. All right, Ramana, have a great weekend and have fun at the movies. I'll see you next Thanks. week. All right. Bye. Mike Novak has finished his yoga exercise. He's ready to come on. We'll bring him on when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. Novak, knock it off with the yoga. Oh. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions for bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. No singing. No, that's, that's my own. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. Thank you. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. Thank you. And the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to all of those unions for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. And of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Thank goodness it is Friday, May 24th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. (laughs) 
In this hour of the program, our good friend Mike Novak returns. And also making his return, and he better bring that bell, Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz. And now your host, Mr. Train. <laughs> That's how we get here. Yeah, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Mike Novak is in the studio. Mike Novak is in the studio. We're going to bring him on. Do we have any updates, Steve, before I bring on young Michael? Uh, like I said, kind of a slow news day uh, here in Chicago. We kind of know, uh, yeah, our president's a, a madman. <laughs> so uh, we haven't done this in a while. What do you say we uh, take a look at our president's Twitter page? Oh, get Mike Novak talking about that. Do we have oh, to? Yes. <laughs> Eat your vegetables, young oh. Michael. Yeah, what do you say we do that with a little segment that we like to call Hail to the Tweet? That's right, we call it <laughs> Hail to the Tweet. Uh, I need a few seconds here. Hey, Ben. Oh, wait, Mike, what are you switching the microphone? I'm just, I'm trying to get one where I can hear myself. Maybe we just need to boost the headsets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. See. Oh, Mike, my goodness. He's I think you should techie. know about Mike Novak. I know. Man. Well, no, it's it's for doing radio for 40 years. I'm deaf here, as okay. a post. Oh, all right. I'm cranking okay. your mic up right now, Mike. Oh, wait, one second. I'm cranking your mic up right now. How about oh, that? Yeah. Okay. Right. I can hear a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a little all better. Right. That's all I need to do. I really don't want to hear myself. I want to hear Ben. What about Dr. D? Oh, I'm Dr. D, of course. Come on, what am I, chop liver? All right, hold on. How about that? Can you hear us better now? Oh, now you're talking, dude. All right. All right. Let me turn this down. All right. Technical issues It's almost a real radio station. We're getting there. We're getting there. I love the keyboard. Should I play a couple of numbers here? Yeah, well, you will before the show is over. Every guest does it at the end. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll find that out pretty soon. All right, let's do Hail to the Tweet. Cue the ukulele. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this one's from 15 hours ago, okay? Okay. Here's our president. Mm -hmm. Wow, (laughs) CNN ratings are all caps way down. (laughs) Record lows. People are getting tired of so many fake stories and anti-Trump lies. Chris Cuomo was awarded for lowest morning ratings with the primetime spot, which is failing badly and not helping the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. Wow, he's still That's going after good. Lemon. That, really? Yeah, That's all he's imitation. got, huh? Yeah, no, Donald Trump has lost his mind. Uh, and well, lost? I mean, all right, that was, it, was he issued one at, <laughs> at birth? <laughs> he had one, I presume, at birth. There was this bit uh, that I saw on, uh, I forget where I saw, Facebook or something. Somebody, or maybe, it's, I don't remember, saw Donald Trump giving a commencement speech uh, denouncing walls. Did you see this one, uh, young Michael? <laughs> he was saying, like, if you see a wall, don't let it impede you. Don't let it block. You go over the wall, go under the wall, go around the wall. This is like, this is a metaphor know. for something else, perhaps. Yeah, but this is from about twelve years ago, before he figured out that right. this was going to be his ticket to the presidency. Uh-huh. Sad to say, it was his ticket to the presidency. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, Donald. Trump. I believe the Russians were his ticket to the presidency. Uh, good point, young Michael. All right, uh, D. Anything else before I turn to Mike? Uh, no, I think it's about it. That's it. So all that's right. all we got with with Trump today. Wow, this is a slow news day. All right, isn't let me it? just say this: Mike Novak is the host of a show called The Mike. Mike Novak show. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy world we're living. I know. It's, uh, Which on, tells you everything you need to know about my career right there. Uh, Mike Novak and uh, Sundays, 9 to 11 a.m. on 1590 WCGO AM. And uh, the man knows more. And actually, we now have an FM 95.9. Whoa. Yeah. FM, so mm-hmm. they uh, they got some equipment there, and they're putting it in. Yeah. they. Right, that's a uh, great st- uh, studio. Dennis and I visited that studio. Remember that's that? That's right. And, and as a matter of fact, our GM. 
Chuck says hi. Oh, I tell Chuck we say hi. And, How's it going, uh, Chuck? And I'm yeah. still agitating for you to come on Let's Sundays. Let's cut that deal. All right, come on, Chuck. Sunday mornings right after the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I, I don't know. I think it'd be great. There Get we go. you back on AM radio. Yeah, AM radio. That's where I belong. Um, I was on AM radio. What happened to that station, D? Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were fired. That's right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oops. Wow. Uh, yeah. How can I forget that? Well, uh, you want to start a club? Uh, yeah, right, Mike. I think we talked about this yeah, last time. Yeah, all right. All right, Mike Novak, his show is dedicated uh, to uh, environmental issues. The man knows a lot about gardening, uh, but uh, he also follows passionately uh, the programs uh, put forth by our various mayors in the city of Chicago. We're supposed to be a liberal city. We're supposed to be a blue city. And we have a horrible record on the environment. <laughs> Uh, and then um, we could talk forever about what Donald Trump, the war he's uh, waging uh, on the environment from his position as uh, the president of the United States gutting the EPA. You know, it's almost with him incidental. He's, he's just doing whatever he wants to do. But if ah, if the environment happens to get trashed at the same time to him, I don't think he that that's not on his radar. I don't think he really cares about it. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, and 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 all of his appointees are 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 like him, low lifes and grifters. And so they systematically tear down those various departments they're assigned to and the, he's had a couple of particularly bad ones in EPA and the interior and and, then, and those two guys the two guys who started are gone and I'll replace by other low lives and it's and on and on and on mm-hmm. it's the way it goes yeah no and uh, it, it, I guess if they have an overriding a uh, philosophy uh, it's that that somehow or other uh, men uh, it, Human beings do not have an impact on the environment, so there's no need to and in any way regulate uh, companies and corporations that pollute. And so that's better off for us because then there's more money for the people who run the companies. I guess that's their overriding philosophy. Well, I don't even think the first part enters into it. It's just about how do we make more money for these companies and the the regulations are just they're just mosquitoes, they're pesky little things in the air that we need to swat away, and then we can make sure that our buddies get even more money and there's no sense of consequence there's no sense of future in it it's it's nihilism Mm -hmm. is what it is Nihilism. All right. Speaking of nihilism, let's take it down to the local level. This is something I find <laughs> local interesting. Nihilism. Yeah, local nihilism. Local <laughs> nihilism. Uh, I always find this interesting. There was a movie called Annie Hall. came out in the 70s. Uh, I saw that one. Yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> 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 we talk about movies. There's a funny bit there where the, the, the young uh, Woody Allen character in the movie uh, has learned that that the earth is constantly expanding and one day it'll blow up. And as a result, he has stopped doing his homework. Okay. Cause if what's the point and uh, his mother is trying to find uh, answers and solutions, takes him to the local rabbi to, to get some advice. And she says, it, it, the rabbi says, so what's the problem? He goes, the world's going to blow up. Why should I do my homework anyway? And the mother says to him, what's that to you? You live in Brooklyn, which I just, I've always thought was a very funny line. But, you know? um, yeah, like the world's going to blow up. But you live in Brooklyn. What do you care? Anyway, we have that attitude here in Chicago. Climate change exists. Like we're, we're destroying our environment. And yet, what's that to you? You live in Chicago. You don't have to do anything about it. And it seems to me that the city of Chicago, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. educate me if I'm wrong, <laughs> uh, has been lax, to put it mildly, on the things that it could do. Uh, to be a better steward of the environment. Am I being unfair to the leaders of our great city, young Mike Novak? 
Not at all. Okay, explain. Not at all. All right, take us. No, down. it's uh, you know if you go back to uh, Richie the Deuce, um, <laughs> which and I'm the only person I have a contract. I can say that now. Uh, no, uh, our uh, second uh, Daly. mayor, Daly, Richard M. Daly, uh, he he had some kind of sense of prettiness, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the idea that he planted lots of flowers and trees uh, was probably more ornamental than than substantive. But in the end, it ended up being substantive because trees are really important for mitigating climate change. Uh, And so that happened. We got a lot of trees planted in the city of Chicago. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure where his legacy is in terms of environmentalism, just as I'm not sure where Rahm Emanuel's is. Uh, Rahm did some ret- did retrofitting, which is really, really important to get the older buildings uh, more energy efficient. And What's I, that mean, retrofitting? So- well, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, more efficient heating, uh, lighting, uh, thermal panes, that kind of thing that reduce your energy consumption mm-hmm. in, in a building. Uh, and, um, and, the, oh, and the other thing that happened during uh, Daly's administration that was very good was uh, construction and demolition recycling, which was an ordinance that was passed and it's been very, very successful. So there you have it. There's, there are some things, you know, even by accident, you're going to do something good for the environment. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking, I'm looking here. I, I did a talk the other night. Okay. So I was, uh, the, the group in Lincoln Park asked me to do a talk about recycling. Uh-huh. And I, and I, I did, was looking up some stuff and I went to the city of Chicago's website about recycling and, and basically it's, it's interesting because I think of the middle of 2008, all of the employees ran screaming out of the building and they just, you know, it's like a, the flying Dutchman ship where they're still <laughs> like, like yeah. dinner's still warm yeah. and, and you can say the same thing about the website. It's like it got left in place. There are no, <laughs> there, there are no numbers yeah. for recycling after July of 2018 on the site yeah. and it's halfway through the year it just suddenly goes blank okay this is the city of chicago and 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 then i went to the page that says about blue cart recycling uh-huh. and it reads uh, you know i hope i can read this because it's too good if you do not have blue cart recycling service uh in the city of chicago and in a, a single family home two flat three flat or four flat building you will receive the blue cart recycling service by the end of 2013 that's on the website right now okay it's on the website Mayor right Rahm, now. up to date. Oh, good guy. Uh, and that says everything you need to know uh, about recycling uh, in Chicago. In other words, they don't care. They don't care. There yeah. has been no wow. political will for this for 25 years. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny because the world as we know it is dying. The polar caps are melting and uh, water is overcoming Miami. It's flooding it. But the city of Chicago, hey, by 2013. Well, and that's part of the problem, too, as you mentioned, because, hey, you live in Chicago. You don't have to worry about it. Your your oceans are not going to flood. You're not, you know, your state isn't going to sink into the Atlantic or the Gulf of Mexico. The problem is there are other things. We actually do have, I, I think I just read recently, more flooding in non-flood plain zones than anywhere in the country. Okay, let me just say this about that briefly. Uh, In Florida, and I I don't live there, I don't don't know if I've ever been to Florida, I think I must have been. Yeah, I was in Florida once. (laughs) I had to think about it. Uh, 
I'm like that about Florida. I think I was I've been there once, and it was to Disney World. And my description of uh, Disney World is menacing whimsicality. That's kind of the it's whole a frightening, scary thing. Right, uh, exactly. It's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the water's coming over and flooding parts of Southern Florida, uh, and yet they continually elect right-wing conservative. So even the premise that you were going at, well, there's not an immediacy uh, in the city of Chicago because we're not threat being threatened uh, right now at this moment by uh, symptoms of global change. But even Although if Florida, we are, well, uh, all we you are. have to do is look at this spring and the rainfall we've had. We've Talk ever had that, rain this morning. This is, this is a classic uh, e- evidence of climate change in the Midwest. In other parts of the country, you'll start to get uh, drought mm-hmm. and, and uh, warming temperatures here. In, we're getting warming temperatures, but more important is the rainfall. This is, this, the models all point to this, and guess what? We're getting it. And what's it doing? It is killing the farmers. It is killing our farmers who, uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, wrote uh, to me recently about somewhere around 20% of the crop is in in Illinois. Uh, and if you look at Iowa and Nebraska and some of those other places, those guys, they don't know what to do. And uh, they're going to get put out of business, and then suddenly, I don't know, who's going to, you know, the big company's going to swoop in and buy up that land. Wait, now, explain the connection between the heavy rainfall and climate change in the Midwest. Well, we are just, those are the, you know, I'm not a scientist. I just play one on the radio. Uh, But the the conditions that produce climate change produce different kinds of conditions in various parts parts of the world. So, again, uh, our southwest gets more drought and Mm -hmm. extended drought. But here in the Midwest, those situations set up these fronts and they set up these stalled areas where we have excessive rainfall and it is getting more and more. Mm -hmm. And my climate guy is Rick DeMaio, meteorologist who's been in Chicago for many years. And he comes on my radio show every Sunday and he gives a climate report Mm -hmm. and he says, okay, here we go. Uh, We've seen this before. We've predicted this will happen and now it's happening. So you just can't say, no, we're not getting any of that here because we are. And people are paying a price for it. And he's one of the people who always talks about the everyday impacts. He's really good at this because he teaches at Loyola and he teaches various other places. And Rick is really good at saying, yeah, this is the weather, but it's not somewhere out there. It affects uh, average human beings. It affects normal human beings and it changes their lives. And he's always good at really pointing that out. And one of the ways it changes lives is in the farm community. Yeah, no, absolutely. And well, I'll, I will now avoid <laughs> giving you the question I've asked everybody else is like, where do they find the $16 billion to pay off farmers? This is interesting. And to, to fight a war with China on tariffs, uh, Donald Trump suddenly found $16 billion to pay off farmers not to produce uh, crops for the market. And yet, if you were to say to Donald Trump, uh, you know, uh, President Trump, there's some environmental regulations that you might want to think of imposing uh, to uh, eradicate or lessen the impact of a constant raining on Midwestern farmers. He mm-hmm. would say, "You're terrible. That's destroying the economy." So you know, it's uh, there's it is a certain amount of insanity, uh, Mike Novak, at, at rule here in our government, our national government. Let's take it again to the local. You can, po- can, I, can I point out one thing here? I, I had and I knew. 
knew I'd received this from a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Sketch, uh, who is uh, involved with weather, and he does a lot of statistics. He was at College of DuPage, and he says, I spoke with my farmer friend in Kankakee in Livingston counties today. He has only 60 acres planted out of 5,000. He should have been completed by now. For the last three and a half weeks, they received 10 inches of rain. 10 inches of rain. Uh, this is the worst planting conditions he has ever seen in the 42 years as a farmer. They should have been completed by now. He is considering a preventive planting insurance claim with the government. The deadline for the claim is June 5th. 5th. In other words, if they cannot plant completely by that date, which is you know a week away or so, he is eligible to make the claim. Most surrounding farmers in that area are in the same condition. He feels devastated. His crop, uh, his crops are corn and soybeans. Mm, yeah. So that's what's going on. That's a consequence. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the local level. Uh, that was, I mean, it was a dark humor, but it was very funny. You read from the city's website, which hasn't been updated <laughs> since 2013, uh, on the recycling, showing Rom's great commitment to uh, recycling. The recycling, yeah. Recycling, couldn't care less. Probably thinks it's a total loser issue. Take a chill pill, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our guy. Uh, and and uh, so what do you think, what are you hoping uh, that Lori Lightfoot, the incoming mayor, will do uh, in regards to uh, building up the recycling program in the city of Chicago? Well, I'm hoping she gets some people who are invested in this. I, I don't know exactly what she's going to do. As I, as I posted yesterday on uh, uh, on Facebook when writing about something like this, oh, well, actually posting that uh, those words from uh, the site, I put those up there. I said, well, she didn't put me on her transition committee on the environment. So uh, here's what I'm hoping is, you know, she's got, and I'm sure she's got really smart people, but I think she has to hit the ground running. What I'm afraid of is that we'll hear from the city and they'll say, well, this is a tough problem and it's been mismanaged a long time, so give us six months and we'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And I would say, no, no, we've had 25 years. I'm sorry you're put in this position and you're brand new here. What I would do is is take some, make um, a commitment right away, whether it's simply to enforce the law that uh, Emanuel got passed in 2017 with the high rises, you know, that was just busted by the Better Government Association, uh, by Madison Hopkins, who was on my show last Sunday mm-hmm. talking about this. Uh, and she's busted them twice now in, in eight months. Talk about the law. Um, it was a law called, are we allowed to say the word Burke anymore? In yeah, Chicago? you've okay. already done that. You missed the opening line. Oh, yes. I missed uh, that. I'm sorry. Evil Eddie Burke. <laughs> <laughs> No, they got us very afraid. There were two stories in the paper about evil Eddie Burke, who is uh, still lurking in the back room. He's somewhere there. Guys, yeah. stop. Yeah. You're scaring me. Okay, sorry, uh, man. Yeah. Is, he, is he here somewhere in the bowels of know. the Sun-Times? Well, I'm going to see if he's room? under the table with the Libertarians. Nope, he's not under no, the table. No, not with the Libertarians. Yeah. Uh, Libertarians who are just uh, Republicans who want an upgrade, basically. I don't Republicans know. who are ashamed of Donald Trump call themselves Libertarians. Yeah, but they did that even before. Yeah, they were, they, they were yeah. ashamed of George Bush. <laughs> There's a lot for Republicans to be ashamed of. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a libertarian. You know, that distinguishes you from the lunatic that you probably voted for in the last election. So the people who, uh, the Democrats who are ashamed of of uh, Bill Clinton, are they progressives now? Is that, yeah, is that I guess that's that what it's, yeah. yeah. Although the funny thing is that Bill Clinton would probably say, I am a progressive. <laughs> so the, when it comes to the word progressive, Mike, 
uh, there is really no center to it, if you if you know what I'm saying. But anyway, libertarian. So, so back ahead. to the the law. Back mm-hmm. in uh, 1993, mm-hmm. the, the, there was a law passed in Chicago called the Burke Hansen Ordinance. Burke Hansen Ordinance, and uh, the idea was uh, Burke Hansen, Bernie Hansen. That's that's. I was like Burke Hansen. Is there a guy named Burke? Burke Hansen? Hyphen Hansen. God. Okay. And Two aldermen in the by, city. Of by, by the way, folks, it's not a dash. It's a hyphen. There are there are still hyphens in the oh, world hyphens, yeah mm-hmm. because you hear the commercials on radio and you know this dr d is that you're always supposed to say dash because it's a lot easier to say than hyphen but it ain't a dash it's a hyphen ah okay you we know? got that straight oh, we're, we're losing the hyphens in society <laughs> He's folks wanting to get this out for a while uh, <laughs> That's a dash, uh, right? Exactly. Uh, that would be Dave Glowatz, our next guest. He's limbering <laughs> up with his yoga to come on. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, so the, the law got passed that uh, high rises were responsible for setting up uh, uh, recycling mm-hmm. programs in their buildings. Here's the problem: nobody did, and the city would not enforce it. Enforce it. Uh, Richie Daly said uh, he didn't. He didn't want. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to find people for that. And we, we, we don't want. We don't want to get people in trouble. That's actually not a bad daily. <laughs> Very good. I can't. I can't do Rom. Rom's really hard oh, to do. Dennis, come on. Okay, with Rom, we realized uh, something with all of his speeches, and uh, I don't know. I guess it's okay. Uh, uh, I'm smart. You're not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he's, he's smart. You're not. Yeah, yeah that's his Rom. Uh, yeah. So they didn't enforce it, and they didn't enforce it, and they didn't enforce it. And when I was at the Chicago Recycling Coalition with other folks there, we would say, "Hey, how come you're not enforcing this law?" And they didn't. And then there was that, and mean, and part of the reason they could get away with it is because at the time we were doing blue bags, <laughs> oh, which God. was put all your recycling in a oh. big blue bag. Bag, put yeah. it in the bin. We'll throw it in with the garbage. We'll smush it down in the back of the truck. We'll take it to a transfer station. We'll pick out the good stuff. Don't worry about it. It'll all get recycled. <laughs> what a, what a well, city. We, we had that for 15 oh years. The only person who believed in it was Richie Daly. Uh, I'm not even sure he believed in it. Yeah. Don't you think at some point he would just go back room with his friends go what a bunch of idiots you know because he called himself the environmental mayor and they all do don't they i'm not sure rom i guess rom didn't rom thinks that anybody who cares about the environment is a loser okay it's (laughs) kind of he must i I mean i I don't get that but for a guy who goes out and trains and does triathlons if you can't breathe the air you're running in then what's the point or the water or the water you're swimming in in. yeah Yeah, Uh, exactly Uh, but, uh, so this, we have the, the Burke Hansen law not being enforced. Blue bags are out there. 2008 comes along. Finally, they do a pilot program in Beverly and they, they start blue cart and they go, Oh, oh who to thunk? People actually will recycle if you leave a cart out there yeah. and they'll, they'll put their stuff in it. So they started rolling out blue carts in 2008. You know what happened? The, uh, the economy went into the toilet. And so they had to stop buying blue carts. And so half the city had them oh, and half God. didn't. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And then Rob came yeah. in and they finally got it done in 2013. So it took five years for everybody (laughs) to get a blue. Meanwhile, we've got the legacy of the blue bag, which makes people cynical. We got half the people with blue carts and half without. And the other half, like me, were schlepping them to the local drop-off location and cursing the mayor and the city every time we did. Um, And meanwhile, the high-rises got a free pass because that was so chaotic on the other side. So you've got – and we still have this system where the high-risers are governed by – um, uh, an ordinance, mm-hmm. but the blue cart is a 
a policy mm-hmm. that yeah. which is run through streets and sand. So they're not even on the same, same page. page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is the city of Chicago's concerted effort uh, to uh, enforce environmental laws. So, so my point is, when Lori Lightfoot comes in, I want her to say. You know, oh, oh, then in 2017, Rom said, don't worry, we're fixing Burke Hansen. We're going we're gonna to put teeth into it. And then in two years since he said that, there were exactly three fines, three for a total of $750. And there are 77,000 units mm. that they are buildings that they could have fined or investigated. Most of them got a pass. They only investigated like 800 of out of 77,000. So that was a joke. Uh, so what I if 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 I were Lori Lightfoot, I would say, OK, starting today, we're sending out these inspectors right now because this is a law on the books. That's the easy way. She doesn't have to look at anything else and say, well, we need a commission and we need to study this. She can say this law is on the books. Mm-hmm. It got touted two years ago. Let's go enforce it and see what happens. And that way people would go, hey, she's interested in actually doing something about this Mm -hmm. and then yeah she needs actually they need to have people sit down and figure out what the problem is and why we can't recycle but when you have a 25-year legacy of futility well no wonder the the public is cynical about it and they still go up to uh the folks collecting it and saying this is really going into the landfill nobody believes it nobody believes it's being collected yeah it it is some of it is being recycled Mm -hmm. some of it we know Uh, how much we don't really know because there's not been a lot of yeah. transparency there. No. Uh, Mike Novak is my guest. We're talking environment with, uh, in the city of Chicago, what the city can do. I haven't even got the street lamps. We can, <laughs> we can talk like for 20 hours in street lamps. We're going to keep Mike here with us. Dave Glowatz uh, is with us as well. In fact, Dennis has called this segment Mike and Bike because Dave Glowatz is known as Mr. Bike in the hey, city Mr. of Chicago. Oh, I love Mr. Bike. Uh, yeah, love Mr. Listening. Bike. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to bring on Dave Glowatz. Uh, we're going to keep Mike Novak here. We're going to broaden the discussion to uh, the TIF program and what went down with Lincoln Yards and Dave's uh, great exchange with Mr. Reefman, uh, the planning commissioner. Dave and uh, really? Reefman are best friends now. Yes, indeed. So we'll be right back after this. Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta. Playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners Hennessy Black and Champagne Nicolas Fayette. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. 
man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. All right, today's Ben Jarofsky show is also brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's a thrift shop located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and guys, it is awesome. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. All right, guys, it's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky show, okay? So, if you're ever on Broadway, what's so funny? It's a thrift stop. <laughs> when you did it's a thrift stop. That always cracks me up. Shopping, dude. What was that, Mike? That's where I do all of my shopping. Okay? I know. Not course. that particular thrift store. I just mean thrift stores in general. Uh, okay. well, I think you mean that particular yeah. thrift store, because that's but what I do commercials mean that for. <laughs> well, if they advertise on my show, too, then I will definitely make okay, it Okay, you're ruining the, the thrift shop. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you. And go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. Now, I know this next part may sound a little biased because of their sponsors, but it's the best thrift shop in the world. <laughs> What's so funny? You do shop. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to the okay. Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are back. We're live. Mike Novak, I've twisted his arm. He's sticking around, and we're joined by journalist and audio producer Dave Gloatz. He reports on local government at shygov.com. That's C-H-I-G-O-V as in victory.com. He's also the creator and the host of the original Ben Jarofsky Interviews podcast. And he's better known as, well, I wouldn't say better known. He's also known as yeah, Mr. Bike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring my own bell. I'm going to do that next time. You got to ring your bell, baby. It's a ring trend. that bell. Please stop saying it's coming. Uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz, um, has sort of like morphed into a TIFF expert after having talked to me on the subject for about 10 years. Oh, you had no influence whatsoever. No, not, so, uh, not, not at all. Done it. Uh, and he would have done it anyway. We would have found his way to TIFFs anyway. Uh, and his reporting on this issue has been really
really great. Scott Wag, Wagusback himself endorsed it uh, from the stage of the hideout. We're now knowing him as the hated Scott Wagusback, according that, to his city council. That period. is so bizarre. I mean, just for a moment here, like they, they've turned this in like he's hated. He's so mean. <laughs> he's the nicest guy in the Chicago city council. Well, it's kind of just them. more hyperbolic as time has gone on. First, it was like, well, he doesn't get along well. And now it's like, no one really likes it. I, I, it's so Who weird. Who said that? Oh, well, it's the other, it's uh, uh, the, like the Anthony Beal, Ed Burke. Fa- We've been discussing Ed Burke a lot. Yeah, the, the evil Ed <laughs> The Beal Burke access. He's under the table. Don't go in the basement. <laughs> Stay away from the basement, Lord. Have you heard about the basement of the city council chambers? Uh, no, I've not heard about it, but right, well, we've been having a lot of fun. For another show. Um, anyway, we know there's a jail in the basement of the Capitol. Is there one in City Hall as well? I'm not saying it. Oh, my God. There's like what do you think they did with that uh, that L, that uh, subway station that they didn't uh, finish? Oh, a TIF-funded deal you're talking <laughs> yeah. about? Oh, I can't stop talking about TIFs. But anyway, uh, so anyway, Ed Burke and Anthony Beale uh, and various other old school aldermen who love Mayor Rahm so much they put tattoos of him on their arms uh, are are shocked and outraged that Scott Wagusback, who would w- dare to oppose certain uh, Rom proposals, would be the finance chair, would be rewarded for his independence. Their attitude is you should be war- rewarded for your puppetry. So you should go along with whether they're inanity and insane policies the mayor is proposing. And that's a way of showing that you can play with others. And Scott, because he had the guts to oppose the mayor on a proposals that are utterly insane, like just to name one, the parking meter deal, ding, shows ding, that ding, 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 can't ding. play with others well. So they turn that into mean, nasty, cool, and he's going to be running the finance year. And supposedly they're going to round up the 25 votes or 26 votes they need to oppose him. I do not believe that's going to happen. What do you think, young Dave? Well, but I have a question to throw back. Uh, mm. I want to know procedurally how this is going to work, because as we uh, discussed at your last hideout, show with Alderman Wagsback. I believe I was the one that asked him the question, how can you be a proponent of having more city council independence of not kowtowing to the major to the mayor, but still wanting to have the mayor have her say in who the, the council committee chairs mm-hmm. are? And so I, be- I believe it was Scott Wagsback kind of dodged that one. But my, my question is, when the city council meets on the 29th, mm-hmm. yeah, and this is purportedly when the um, slate of more... Sorry about that here. I'm trying to figure something <laughs> out here. Oh. Dr. D just weighs in. <laughs> Uh-oh. The twist that? tie came apart over there. <laughs> Check All right. Yeah, the, you're slate on. Of, uh, the slate of Mayor Lightfoot's committee chairs comes up. <laughs> yes. The city, uh, on paper, the city council members are the ones to approve that and that's yes. where the 26 vote comes in so what i'm wondering is there is there going to be a separate vote on each committee chair or is there going to be uh an omnibus sort of ordinance that says we are going to make all these recom- yes. recommended chairs the chairs and she's also changing the the budgets of the, some of the committees like notably the finance committee mm-hmm. she created a brand new committee on what is it workforce yes yeah. No, uh, what, she changed the, one that the she name gave to uh, uh, to uh, Sue Garza, the great Sue Garza, Ted oh, Alderman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that used to be. I can't believe I know this stuff. 
I mean, this is really that's a why cry of help. This is what you do. It's <laughs> yeah, kind of embarrassing. Uh, huge dork, guys. <laughs> Pat O'Connor's old committee. And so they gave it to the Sukars and they cut the budget. Uh, but the, the, your but point, that's an ordinance. So the ordinance has the amount of budget for the committee. So well, the, that has to be another thing that they approve. She can't just go and say, oh, you can't have a million dollars for, or what is it, $10 million yeah, for the finance committee? They could cut. Well, uh, okay, and this is what the, the, the sometimes... Uh, Franz Spielman is suggesting that there are ways in which uh, evil Ed Burke, uh, you know, using his mastery of parliamentary procedure, uh, could raise objections and call for votes on each and one and every one of these items to uh, force people to take a stand, that kind of thing. You mean he could rise out of the bathtub like (laughs) Glenn Close? I use that line. uh, You're stealing my best material. No, he's a listener. (laughs) Oh, he's a listener. (laughs) He's a listener. Uh, (laughs) I used that line last week. Remember, Dean? Uh, long time, first time, last time. <laughs> no, but Glenn Close was, yeah, she was, who was I talking? It was, no, it was Rom. I was saying Rom's going to be like Glenn Close just emerging from the, uh, uh, but Take yeah, so anyway, so these are all the, the parliamentary games that will go down on Wednesday, and the bottom line remains, no matter what game they play, uh, it still comes down to uh, Ken Edelberg muster uh, the 26 votes he needs to defeat Lori Lightfoot and uh, her proposal to put Scotty Waggis back in charge of finance. I do not believe he can get 26 votes. I'm I'm showing great faith. I know this is going to be I'm going on a limb here. Great faith uh, in the intelligence of Chicago aldermen. <laughs> that, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry that they would realize it's in their better interest to be seen as an ally with incoming Mayor Lori Lightfoot as opposed to be seen as an ally with the evil Ed Burke. I, I don't see it You're as shaking uh, your head and yeah, I don't see it as uh, aspirational as that. I see it more pragmatically. I think she's cut deals. Like for example, she oh, well, left. Okay, she let Michelle yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Michelle Harris yes. as head of the budget committee. Mm-hmm. Now, you say what you want about Michelle Harris, but when you look at her, just on paper, if you look at her voting record in terms of how she has voted with manual administration proposals in the city council, uh, I'm guessing she's near 100%. Yes, I think so, your guess would be correct. So I, if, if this vote flies, if, if the um, Blightfoot recommendations fly mm-hmm. from chairs, I think it's because she cut deals. Not that is because correct. Because all the aldermen suddenly got, uh, got gospel. I sit corrected, young David. You are correct. Uh, there is nothing idealistic about it. Uh, but just in case, just to make sure that uh, she fortifies whatever embers of idealism may exist. Uh, but I would say it's also pragmatic to say, you're right they they cut deals they gave someone she took a page from Eddie Verdolak did this in 83 you give out committee chairs to people and you win their votes over yes you're absolutely correct but uh, uh, just in case um, they stray she's ready to use Ed Burke as the specter to tag them to Burke and nobody wants to be tagged with Burke so I think that's a pragmatic decision in and of itself you know it's not idealism they're not saying oh I like Lori Lightfoot because I believe in the gospel of reform it's I think I have a better future if I'm tied to her, who just got 75% of the vote, uh, as opposed to being tied to Ed Burke, who's about to be indicted by the feds. Do you follow what I'm saying? And what is the uh, due date, uh, the ready-by date for that indictment? It's June 7th? Something like that, yeah. In fact, there was one of our guests who said he may not be able to make the show because um, he has to uh, uh, be covering that story. All right, let's get to uh, the latest uh, stories that you've done on Lincoln Yards and the 
Tiff. I guess we'll start with your um, your newfound friendship. Uh, you guys are best pals. Uh, Dave and me. It's, uh, he did say he liked the article. Wow. <laughs> All right. Talk about David Reifman. He stepped down as planning commissioner. Am I correct about that? Yeah. He was the head of the Chicago Department of Planning and Development for almost four years. He was hired by um, Mayor Emanuel uh, into his uh, Manuel's second term. I think it was a September of that year. And he had just finished 27 years at DLA Piper, which is a worldwide law firm, but in Chicago is known for doing zoning and development deals. And uh, Reefman himself was known as specializing in mega development. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Let me just make sure I understand this. So Rom thought it would be a good idea to put a zoning lawyer whose specialty is putting together big mega development deals that use public finances, that use public money, in charge of the department that oversees uh, big mega development deals that use public dollars. Is that what you're saying? I wish I had written this, but it was Chicago Magazine that wrote that developers clinked their shovels and toast when, <laughs> when oh, Reefman was hired. That is a good line. Yeah. Uh, so how is that different in principle than uh, Donald John Trump uh, putting uh, Scott Pruitt in charge of the Environmental Protection Agency, even though Scott Pruitt is the guy who's leading the war against environmental regulations? Dave well, I interviewed Rollins. a bunch of folks for a piece I did for The Reader, mm-hmm. which uh, came out last week, and your listeners can see that at chicagoreader.com. And that's called uh, David Reifman Has Left the Building. And in that article, I, I quoted uh, somebody who said that um, Reifman is somebody who is uh, arguably conflicted because he is on record as the commissioner saying that he, wants to, he wanted to get these mega developments, namely Lincoln Yards on the north branch of the Chicago River and the 78 on the south branch of the river he wanted to get these done so that presuppose that presupposes that the public process has no meaning is one way to look at that <laughs> uh, it's the, the way i would look at it yes so on the one hand he is uh he was stated as wanting to get these done and on the other hand is the head of the planning department is a steward if you will of public process so to your point that's arguably conflict yeah i would i would take arguably out of the sentence and say it is a conflict um i mean good liberals in chicago you're up in arms about scott pruitt uh but you're not up in arms when it happens in your city all right so do you have a a a bit that you want to play for us there's some other things that have happened now as uh just to update your listeners the um these two developments that i've just talked about the 78 and lincoln yards went through the final regulatory approval hurdle in April by full city council votes to allow tax increment financing funding Mm -hmm. of infrastructure around these developments. And what that means is essentially streets and bridges, Mm -hmm. which are city property that the developers have agreed. Let's just take Lincoln Yards. In uh, Lincoln Yards, the developer, Sterling Bay, has agreed to build about a dozen streets and bridges around uh, the the areas between roughly North Avenue on the south and Webster Street on the north along the Chicago River. And the deal essentially is that in exchange for fronting the money for building this infrastructure, the city will pay Sterling Bay back once money is accumulated in the tax increment financing district that surrounds mm-hmm. Lincoln Yards. Yep. But once the uh, Sterling Bay builds all these things, they revert to the city ownership. 
except it turns out in the fine print of a, a document <laughs> that came out uh -oh. that became public after yeah. the city council approval, mm -hmm. there was a phrase that said, yes, all this stuff reverts to the city except for the Chicago River wall. And so mind you, Sterling Bay is one of these dozen projects is going to essentially rebuild the river wall through this um, mega development where they're going to have, according to the the nicely rendered illustrations, water taxis and public re recreation space and canoe launches and all of that. And so I asked, well, I caught up with Commissioner Reifman uh, at what is probably his, was his last public appearance as commissioner on the IIT campus. And I said, well, what about that? Why, you know, what, uh, what, why, why are, why isn't the city, does that mean the city's not going to own it? And here's uh, Dennis. Here's what he said. It's a little hard to understand. All the infrastructure would revert to the city of the right. Bay, finish it except for the seawall. Because they're going to maintain it on the seawall. Right. Yeah, we don't want, the city doesn't want to assume the cost of maintaining it. They're required to do it. We can enforce it, but we wouldn't want to own it. So what he, I said, so the Sterling Bay is going to own it, and he said, yeah, you know, we don't want to take, he said, we, the city, don't want, do not want to take care of the maintenance of it. And he said, we can enforce it, but we don't want to own it. So I guess by that, they, it means that uh, normal municipal uh, law enforcement will still be, you know, there will be a Sterling Bay private police force that, that polices it. So it's very interesting that um, that particular piece of infrastructure is worth, in terms of uh, construction costs, about $91, $92 million is what's going to cost to do that. So Sterling Bay now is going to uh, take out a loan for roughly half of that. Mm -hmm. So tax increment financing, according to the documentation, this is really getting in the weeds now. No, let's go there. Will, will not pay the entire $92 million, mm -hmm. but it'll pay half of it, yeah. and then the other half will go to reimbursing Sterling Bay's loan and their loan costs, because that's also in the documentation. Yeah, so 40, if my math is correct, and I was uh, a graduate of Evanston High School, $46 million. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, 40, come on, huh? <laughs> Look at the brain on that. Eat your heart out, Daniel Biss. <laughs> okay. But I, but $46 million of your property tax dollars, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is uh, going to Sterling Bay, and they will own this, and they will, presumably, can they make revenues off the kayaks? They, they, that are if rented they there? own it, uh -huh. they can do whatever they want. Ooh, so uh, let's back up here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, let's let's just make sure everybody understands this. So you're saying that they're basically being fronted to build this, but then they will own it and will continue to collect off of it. Yeah, they're, they're not being fronted. They're going to front the money for every one and of these. And then they get paid back. And then they get paid yeah. back. With your property tax dollars. Uh, yeah, but in a sense... Uh, if if you know you're getting paid back, that's, that's an easy decision to make. Here's how it? the fundamental thing you need to know, folks. It'd be as though Mike Novak was given permission by Mayor Rahm uh, to take the money that he would ordinarily pay in property taxes for schools, police, fire, county, etc., and instead spend that money building a new 
barbecue pit in his yard because Mike Novak says, I need a barbecue pit. And the city of Chicago said, I think that's a good idea. We, <laughs> Our schools don't need the money. We're going to let Novak build a barbecue the pit. The last time you use this analogy, you're using garages. I oh, think. garages. Yeah, Sometimes. I like bar- barbecue. I like the barbecue yeah, pit. Like, well, summer's coming. To, you know. Summer's yeah. coming. And the yeah. last <laughs> thing in the world that a known environmentalist uh, like uh, How about neighborhood trampoline? Okay, I kind of like that, too. Yeah. All right. So anyway, they get to spend their property tax money on themselves as opposed to the rest of the taxing bodies and so all their other suckers and saps including everybody in this room and there's come on you got it you got it five people in this room pay more property taxes you are fools chicago they sucker you you're saps and they're laughing at you right now anyway uh that's your tiff program so in other words uh you were the one who did the deep dive no pun intended uh into the uh, contract that the city is signing with sterling bay and discovered that the city decided was somehow or other a good idea for the city of chicago to allow sterling bay to control the riverfront walls uh, in in this area. Yeah, that that document is called the Redevelopment Agreement, and this is essentially the contract between the city of Chicago and Sterling Bay to build these dozen infrastructure um, uh, components, and it details the funding mechanism where I uncovered that little piece about, you know, the uh, half uh, half loan amount and it also talks about which we we shouldn't get into today because it's rather Byzantine. Uh, it's not just a straight reimbursement. In other words, re- Sterling Bay doesn't present an invoice and the city cuts a check. Mm-hmm. What happens is there's an elaborate financial instrument called a TIF note. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a bond yes. that's issued, mm-hmm. and Sterling Bay sells that. And so it's um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that. Um, develops during the Lightfoot administration because none of that stuff has been issued yet. Mm-hmm. And so she has control, her administration has control of this funding mechanism. So, Which brings me to something. I, can, can I ask a really naive question? Go ahead. Two very smart people here in the room. Well, there's okay. at least one, but okay. go ahead. Is is Lincoln Yards a done deal or with a new administration, is it possible some things might be slow walked and we might get to look at some of this again. In my opinion, the thing I just mentioned, Mike, is exactly what could be, I don't know, slow walked, but the development of Lincoln Yards, from the developer's perspective, is predicated on having all this free infrastructure to put in. It's, it's, a, it's about $500 million worth of streets, bridges, and river wall, and there's an extension to the 606 bike trail in there as well. And if each one of those projects gets its own little bond issue, Mm -hmm. but again, as I say, that the the administration is responsible for making that happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they 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 set the terms. It's it's got to be negotiated with all these uh, these banker types about what the interest rate is going to be on these notes, what the term is going to be. So, so there's uh, a lot of ways still to monkey with that. Oh, is what I would think. And there's also a, a, a lawsuit filed by the uh, Grassroots Collaborative and uh, Public Interest Lawyers. We'll have Amisha Patel on the show next week, who's the head of Grassroots Collaborative, uh, challenging the designation of a TIF for that area on the grounds that it's not truly blighted, which gets at the heart of what the TIF 
program is all about. Mm-hmm. And so it's be interesting to see how Lori Lightfoot, Dave, you've been talking about this yourself, how Lori Lightfoot will react to that lawsuit uh, when a similar lawsuit was filed uh, by public interest against the parking meter deal. Mayor Rahm essentially did what he could to undercut the effectiveness of that lawsuit and reaffirm the parking meter deal. Uh, it, will Lori follow Rahm? Uh, in regards to this lawsuit, or will she join the lawsuit? Will she step back and say, we have to wait for this to be a young man? Go ahead. There is an indication uh, in something said by the Lightfoot administration's new housing commissioner. You might recall that Mayor Emanuel, in his final budget, created recreated the Department of Housing Mm -hmm. that had been absorbed into the planning department. Was that during the yeah, it was during the Emanuel. It was, man, yeah. There's so many uh, yeah. evolutions of the planning department, but uh, yeah. There's... And here's for 10 bonus points. What is the name of the new housing commissioner? Do you remember? Uh, I, I the, sure don't. No, I have no idea. Okay. It's a woman. <laughs> okay. Anyway, she was quoted as saying is one of the things Music. that she wants to take on yeah. is this thing called uh, racial equity in developments. Uh-huh. And she she was quoted in, I can't remember what, what media outlets, is, and I, that, that to that's me an was, indication a, was a that, sign. Well, that is... Because that's one of the bases yeah. for this lawsuit, lawsuit. by Glassroots Collaborative. Yeah, Glassroots Collaborative. And Grassroots Collaborative. So, and presumably they could also broaden the lawsuit to take on the 78. So th- we really, I mean, this is what I wrote about in the reader. Are, it, will there be reform in the city of Chicago? That would be a, uh, if Lori Lightfoot joins those lawsuits, or at least doesn't fight them openly, um, that is as close to reform as I've ever seen uh, in the city of Chicago. We have time before we take a break to uh, play the other uh, bit that Dave has. Yeah, absolutely. Set us well, up. Well, well, so what happened um, during this, um, some call a steamroller to approval of the 78 Lincoln Yards and the uh, subsequent tax increment financing approval for these projects is that during a series of, I think there were 15 public hearings total from last autumn till final approval for both of these projects and the financing. And at each one of, not not all of them, but many of them, there were many proponents and opponents to these projects. And it became clear uh, pretty quickly which major advocacy groups fell down on which side of, of that fence. And Friends of the Parks, which is uh, the longtime Chicago Parks ad- advocacy group, uh, was opposing both these developments and the TIF funding to the very end. Mm-hmm. But one of their brethren or sororal uh, organizations, friend of the Chicago, Friends of the Chicago River, initially and subsequently stayed on the uh, proponent mm. side. And uh, what I have here is a clip uh, of one of their staff members talking at the final uh, approval, one of the final approval stages, the City Council Finance Committee meeting. My name is John Coyle. I'm the Director of Policy and Conservation for Friends of the Chicago River. Thanks for the opportunity to provide this comment today in support of the TIF. Friends is the only organization dedicated solely to the Chicago River and work on river access for everyone, habitat restoration projects, ecological education, policy advocacy focused on the riverfront. Over the past 40 years, we have consistently advocated for the inclusion of river-sensitive development in riverfront projects. The Lincoln Yards proposal provides an unprecedented opportunity to integrate the Chicago River with the local community and far beyond. 
The large size of development, its proximity to the river, and the changing nature of land use in the area open up immense potential to provide access to the river for recreation, provide habitat for wildlife, and absorb and filter stormwater. We appreciate the time that the developer and their design team took to meet with us to discuss the importance of the river along this site. The newly proposed plans as designed will set a high bar for future river projects. The naturalized and expanded riverbanks and nature-based open space will also provide more land to absorb and filter stormwater before it enters the river, increasing resiliency to the local impacts of climate change and potentially reducing flooding and sewage into the river. The commitment to riverfront amenities that promote healthy activities such as the meadow, nature play spaces, and a multi-use trail, stepped river seeding, and natural riverfront in areas that aren't constrained by a seawall will create corridors for wildlife and allow people the chance to access and interact with the river and the natural environment. We understand the proposed future site in the North Branch Park and Preserve isn't a part of this proposal, but its creation is imperative to continuing the renaissance of the Chicago River. The river improvements that Lincoln Yards has committed to cannot reach their full potential without that important downstream connection to additional habitat, open space, and restored riverbanks. We are excited about the potential for these types of developments along our waterways that move us closer to the vision of making the Chicago River one of the world's greatest metropolitan waterways. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's pretty boilerplate stuff for an organization. I mean, there's no no, no critical thinking involved. I'm sorry. I, and I know Johnny's been on my show, but that, that was basically, okay, make it sound good, make it sound like, you know, and it's just, it's just surface stuff, really, mm-hmm. it well, seems to me. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. Um, in the most general sense, uh, what do you think the impact environmentally of putting a mega project like this on the banks of the Chicago River, on area that used to be industrial, uh, heavily industrial, or manufacturing, or uh, fair or warehouse, uh, what do you think the impact of the putting skyscrapers right there in the Chicago River will have environmentally? <laughs> well, you just sort of said it there. Uh, okay. I mean, we're putting skyscrapers, we're putting lots of concrete, we're putting a lot of people, and the the attending. Uh, waste that accompanies those people. We talk about a wall. Um, John Quayle just talked about there will be access points, but it makes me wonder when we talk about this wall, what if there were no wall at all? You know, my, the way I was looking at it, and nobody was going to pay any attention to me, and but there were environmentalists who, who basically said, we could, we could reshape the 21st century in terms of uh, urban models, if we took this land and we stopped building skyscrapers, we did something much more low impact and made made it mainly park, per, for instance. Yeah. Imagine how that would have transformed the city of Chicago and made us look in the rest of the world as visionaries. Yeah. Instead, it's same old, same old. It's corruption and concrete and, and money and and a wall in, in the river. Uh, and and, and you know, environmentalists approving it. And this gets back to the point I was making with you earlier in the day about how in the city of Chicago, we act as though we're not connected with the larger world. Remember that joke about Woody Allen? What's that to you? You live yeah. in Brooklyn. Well, what's that to you? You live in Chicago. It's the Chicago River. We're supposed to have walls and concrete next to it. <laughs> what? But uh, I get, from, I infer from what you say, Mike, that you trust this organization, Friends of the Chicago River. I did. It, uh, I mean, this is the first I've heard of this. Uh, I don't know, know much. And, I don't and, know listen, and listening to the testimony, you know, the idea, well, how do you not trust an organization that goes out and 
picks up mattresses out of the Chicago River and cleans up and has been doing get this. Get their hands dirty. Really, they really have uh, advocated for the river at a time when, when the river was a joke. And it's not a joke anymore. We're looking at this development saying this can be recreational. Uh, this can be an important part of the city. We People can connect to the river again. We could do it even better. Mm-hmm. We could do it even better is what I'm thinking. But do you think that they didn't do their due diligence on this? I think they had an agenda. I don't know what the agenda is. Okay, I don't know what their agenda is, but I, th- listening to this report that, again, didn't involve any critical thinking, um, I, I shrug and I, and I, and I, I have no clue. He does list, uh, John does list a um, sort of a shopping list of things that you might want for riverfront development. Like he mentioned wildlife uh, going through there a couple different times. And I kept thinking about the concert venue when I think of wildlife. But that concert venue. Yeah, there's going to be a concert venue there. Probably. Well, that one's not going to be there. Well, we we, that's the that's you're right at the moment. When I think Uh, of wildlife on the river. Yeah. How is (laughs) wildlife? It's going to be with the concrete. Help me out there. Well, we don't know that it's going to be concrete. Right, no, so, we don't, but uh, we don't I, I, know what's going to be concrete. Well, we don't this thing called a river wall. We're using it colloquially. Yeah. So it's it's the they're going to redo the river front. I the presume the concrete show, will be poured somewhere. And uh, but the renderings show like very many, very, uh, very many different treatments, right. like right. step down. And that's what and, John was talking about in his statement as well, mm-hmm. that obviously there, there are places where you're going to be able to have access to the river. You can go right to the riverbed. I'm hoping that there are some natural areas that go right to the riverbed as well where that are not so much for people but for wildlife i don't know well it's hard to imagine wildlife going through there like being able to get access all the way through (laughs) if you have i know but you know wildlife is amazingly resilient we we know that i mean the fact that we've got coyotes in the city and we've got uh different kinds of birds this is a migratory pattern they're gonna if if there's water there they're gonna find it i think we can all agree on this point the subsidy uh, to build Lincoln Yards, the project of Lincoln Yards is not intended to benefit the environment. Okay, it's not intended to be a nature preserve. Bingo. It's not intended to do what Mayor Daly has given a hat shout out for this on this particular point when he t- tore up Meg's Field. He wanted to replace Meg's Field with some kind of natural preserve. Whether he did that, he accomplished that goal or not is a whole other issue. But we could absolutely say that this is a development deal and that my problem with environmentalists who sign on to development deals is that it sure looks as though they're being used and to justify an immense public subsidy to underwrite a development deal. Am I right or am I wrong about that, young man? It's hard to know, as Mike said, it's hard to know what their agenda is. Just nominally, their agenda is to advocate for the river. You, mm-hmm. know, you and I have had conversations, Ben, about single-issue voters. And, you know, we, we kind of we <laughs> kind of roll cyclists. our eyes at people who don't take in the issues other than the ones that they care right. about. But if you're an organization like Friends of the Chicago River, arguably your mission is your mission. And, you know, there there's issues yeah. around, you know, affordable housing and, uh, you know, density and gentrification. But that's not their issue. Yeah. You know, they right. care about the, the It's river. quite possible they took a very 
narrow, narrow approach yeah. to this, which is what is going to improve that river at that point? And they came to the conclusion, yeah, they're going to put money into this and it's going to be better than it was. So, yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, I'm well, fair uh, I, I guess I'm asking a lot of environmentalists to think about their role in the greater environment. How about that? As well, about? you know, I was it just popped in my head, and I have never thought of this before. We we talked about, um, or other people have talked about, what we're doing here is plopping um, a city the size of Oak Park into the middle of Chicago. What if we pl- plopped um, Central Park into the city of Chicago? Nice. That was well done. Like that. Well done. That's Mike Novak, ladies and gentlemen. The Mike Novak show every Sunday, 9 to 11, 1590 WCGOAM. That was very well done. Dave Glowitz is here. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta. Playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners Hennessy Black and Champagne Nicolas Fayette. All right, guys. Ben Droth's show's about to wrap up here. Now, I don't know if our guests, Dave Glatz and Mike Novak, know this, but Ben Jarofsky loves candles. <laughs> My God. Just <laughs> what? what? I'm going to read this. All Just right. listen how excited he gets here. Uh-oh. Man. All right. After five years in Andersonville, Murray and White have made the difficult decision to close their doors. But mm-hmm. everything in the store is on sale. Notable sale items, Veluspa and Nest Fragrances brand candles are 20% off. I've yet to check if Ben bought them all, but <laughs> they may still Left be there. Few. Yeah, they may still be there. And uh, Murray and White's uh, most underdressed customer for years, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Trust me, I saw the pictures. Very underdressed, this guy. Uh, but no, Veluspa and Nest Fragrance brands candles Maybe 20% off if Ben didn't buy them all. These lines can rarely be found on sale. So while 20% isn't the largest discounts, lovers of both of these popular candle lines have been buying them up. All rugs, 30% off in-store and new orders through June 1st. All floor sample furniture is 30 to 50% off. Antique furniture pieces are 40% off. Picture frames, 40% off. And jewelry, 40 to 50% off. Mirrors and wall art, 30 to 50% off. Home decor and accessories are all 20 to 60% off. And lamps, 50% off as well. Now, uh, I can't tell you if all these other products are there, but candles, boy, probably not. Because Ben Jarowski probably <laughs> bought them all. Oh, my God. This guy <laughs> loves candles. Candleman. Uh, store fixtures and lighting is also on sale. Once again, Murray and White, after five years in Andersonville, have decided to close their doors. But everything in the store is on sale. Maybe not candles. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, our other sponsor here, now our good friend uh, Dave Gloatz mentioned the river. Mm-hmm. Mentioned the river there. So I got to go ahead and mention this one as well. Today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Rom Emanuel Riverwalk. Uh, yeah. Hey, why not rename the Riverwalk after him? You don't have to rename it after anybody like that Dan Ryan. The Rom Emanuel Riverwalk. Rename it. Come on, please. All right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Very good. Uh, Dr. D. I forgot that joke. That was uh, from a joke left over from about a week or so ago in France. Bill wrote a great story in the uh, Sun-Times. Not uh, a joke. Uh, it's real. Yeah. Rom River Walk. Rom was floating the notion. Okay, he wanted floating. to be honored. Yeah. 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 But, um, uh, uh, Take a chill pill, man. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Rom. <laughs> uh, that in appropriate way to honor him would be to name the Riverwalk after him. Okay, he was, he was the one who was advancing this notion, and I was pointing out that if you're going to be honored, other people have to decide they want to honor you. So, like, who said anybody wanted to honor you? I think it'd be a good idea to name the Riverwalk after me, and I, I thought it'd be a better idea to name, like, a... a the pounds where they tow the cars after Rom, because you know that's how he financed. I'm government. thinking one of the recycling trucks, just the Rom truck, <laughs> the, the one Rom. truck. How about that website, which hasn't been updated since 2013? <laughs> that's Rom called the Rom website, memorial <laughs> website, uh, where blue bags go to die. Um, anyway, uh, so good job, Doctor. Well, G. he took his uh, he took a play out of the the Donald Trump book, uh, of course, with that, right? Because you know Donald Trump wants everything named after. Oh him right, and, yeah, and, 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 and hey. Donald Trump got robbed to allow him to put that big sign on the river. Talk about uh, desecrating the river. Hey, how do we get rid of that? I don't what know. What kind of legislation can we have? Now, here? I, I would I would maybe have thought about signing on to the Lincoln Yards deal if mm-hmm. uh, Sterling Bay had said that they were gonna, part of the money, things they were going to do with the money we were giving them would to fight the legal challenge uh, to take the, the Trump sign off. I might have thought about <laughs> I might have thought about supporting that deal. Uh, I could argue that that would be a public benefit. It is a big tourist destination based, uh, if you just look at the number of people who take photos with the Trump sign. I do not a... believe there's one person who has ever come to Chicago <laughs> to see, to see that Trump. When they're in Chicago and they see what idiocy the people of the city of Chicago allowed their public officials to get away with, they may want to take a picture of it. But I can't believe someone is in Florida right now. Let's go to Chicago because I really want to see that Trump sign. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm getting on the airplane. Yeah, you never Florida. met my Uncle Eldon downstate. That's the only reason why he came a few weeks back. <laughs> well, if you're in Florida, you're Florida you can go to Atlantic City. It's closer. Uh, yes, it's Atlantic. Well, the, the geographically, uh, Atlantic City is New Jersey. Yeah. Is that closer? I guess yeah. so. All right. Now, uh, before we leave, <laughs> I, I cannot, did not know that. Yes, you did. Oh, I did. I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> that happens we, a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I He's gotta, a math guy, not a geography guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike, you, I, I, I think we're just going to have to bring you back to give uh, full attention to this story that it warrants, but it has to do with streetlights. When I was talking to Mike Glass, I was complaining about about how bright the streetlights are in the city of Chicago. Yeah. And you launched into an explanation about it. Uh, so. Well, you know, they're in the middle of changing out. Uh, it's actually more than 270,000 streetlights in the city of Chicago. And uh, the uh, Chicago Infrastructure Trust, CDOT's working on this. And they've been. this has been a plan that's been going on for a long time. And a friend of mine, uh, Audrey Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, who's with the Chicago Astronomical Society and other organizations, is a she studies the uh, the effects of uh, of light on uh, on people, especially artificial light. And you know, during the day we get bombarded with light, but at night uh, our bodies are set up to shut down a little and not be exposed to that. And part of what's happening is we're replacing a lot of the the warm glow of the sodium lights uh, with the new LEDs. And the idea, part of the idea, is is to save money. And yes. These new lights will save money because they're LEDs and it is going to be this initial outlay. But the problem is, how blue is the frequency 
of the lights and how hot and meaning candle uh, illumination uh, are are these lights and when it when when the project first started uh, four five six years whatever it started I think about four years ago and they started looking into this they were talking about four thousand Kelvin all right well the technology is changing very rapidly it's changing about every six months right now and and they settled on three thousand Kelvin which is terrific mm-hmm. except it still has a lot of blue in it and that's not good for folks in at night and it disrupts circadian rhythms and it and it, it could possibly cause diseases it could possibly mm. cause cancer it causes it the glare that you get and people are already complaining about it in certain parts of the city they're supposed to be shielding attached to the lighting but the the problem is even with the new leds which will be more efficient we can have issues for cyclists too where you have a spot it goes down the ground and then there's darkness and then another spot and you're running in and out of that. It's it's tough for cops to to identify people. It's it's tough for cyclists. It's tough for people out at night. Um, and so Audrey, my friend, introduced me to this guy named David Mitchell, and he runs a company called Lumican in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And he has been talking to the city now for a while. He's come up with a 2200 Kelvin light that has a warm glow and it actually shows colors brilliantly at night. Problem is we can't get the city to listen to him and to invest in his light. He says he can even set up manufacturing here in Chicago. Uh, and a lot of our lights are coming from China, so that might not be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- several weeks ago, I went out to Humboldt Park with David and uh, a few people, including Alderman Wagesback, mm-hmm. who stood around for three hours with us watching this demonstration. And David would ha- had his um, spect- spectrometer and he was taking light readings of the new lights that were put in and some of the old ones so we could see the difference and, the, and see where the color was, what part of the spectrum. And the new ones had a lot of blue in them and the orange ones did not. And then he showed us his light. You know, it's a thing this big. It's a straight light. Mm-hmm. And, and he and I were carrying it and we plugged it into my car. And, and we honestly, I have, I have a photo of it. It's hilarious because he said, well, I said, what do you need to, to plug it, plug it in? He said, an outlet. I said, well, I got an adapter. I can yeah. plug it into my, the lighter in my car. He says, let's do it. And so we put it on a, uh, ironically, a recycling container in the park and we turned on the light. You couldn't believe how beautiful the, the glow was from the light. Uh, and the city could be using these. And I said to David, I said, you know, well, the technology changed since the beginning they started doing this. He says, it changes every six months right now. And, and I just developed this light and it can be used and we could, we could see stars again in Chicago. We could have even lighting for people. We could have lighting that's not shining into their uh, bedroom windows. Like you have a lot could be done. So the city's doing some things right, but it, it, there's a, they could improve it a lot more uh, by having the right lights. Problem is what I'm hearing from my sources is um, they're having trouble getting a hold of anybody. CDOT won't get back to them. And Come on, pick C- up that phone. Um, government uh, operations aspect of this, which is what I always like to focus on, is that uh, you mentioned the Chicago Infrastructure Trusts, which we don't need to go into the details of, but it's a, a mayorally appointed uh, board, right, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. um, 
was tasked originally to find energy and other savings that it could then persuade investors to get to get in on, and then they would get a cut of the savings, mm-hmm. and they it never never really got off the ground. Mm-hmm. And normally things like what you're talking about, Mike, a big project like lights would either be managed by Public Building Commission, which is another mayorally appointed board, or in this case, the Chicago Department of Transportation, which took over the Bureau of Lighting from Streets and Sanitation, I don't know, about five years ago or something like that. But uh, for some reason, the Mandel administration gave this project to the Infrastructure Trust to be the project manager. Now, I'm presuming that Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot has, just like she has control over who's on the Chicago, on the Board of Education, mm-hmm. she has control of who's on the infrastructure trust. I would so guess that, she too. Could make it yeah. happen. She could, it and, was, and guess what? <laughs> Alderman Wagusback has her ear, and he now has seen the light in literally. action. Yeah, light, literally. And I'm hoping that he goes to her and says, hey, you know, we really should be doing this. Because he says, and he told me that he's getting complaints already from people about the glare yeah. of the new lights. That is Mike Novak and uh, Dave Glowitz is here as well. <laughs> Great job by both of them. Again, the Mike Novak Show, uh, Sundays 9 to 11 a.m. on 1590 WCGOAM. And you're on the FM too, right, Mike? Uh, 95.9. 95.9. Uh, and, of course, Dave Glowatz. Uh, you can find his website, shygov.com. Uh, the guy's turning into quite a TIFF expert. Great show today. Hey, Thank ring you. that bell. Yeah, bring the bell, yeah, Mr. There Mike. we go. Yeah. I want to also thank Ramana Hussein, uh, the, uh, the Ramana Rundown at uh, 1.30. A great job done by Leah, uh, our office editor, uh, with a new feature in the show, a Facebook interviews. Uh, she's um, stepping up our game a little bit there. And, of course, the man who makes it happen, the man, the myth, the legend. Mike, no, like, do you know that back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning? <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take a chill. Really? Is, but, but is he at 3,000K or 4,000K? <laughs> I, uh, I think he makes slightly less than that. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. The ladies all love him for his body and his mind. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash, Dr. D. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. See you on Tuesday. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun-Times websites, chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. And speaking of downloads, check out our weekend Benny J bonus interviews. Eric Zorn, Troy LaRavier, and two Republican ladies. I can't remember their names, but it's going to be fantastic. Go check them out.